tonight's emotionally drained episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast. Ringer Podcast Network brought to you by DAZN. Stream over 100 fight nights a year without the pain of pay-per-view, including the one this weekend, Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs, champion versus champion, live from Las Vegas. I would call this a can't miss, Ryan. That's what I'm hearing on the streets. Can't miss. Uh, Canelo, boxing prodigy, Daniel Jacobs, one of the best human interest stories we have in the fight game, fought all the way back from cancer, and now there's going to be like 17 middleweight title belts on the line, at least three, somewhere between three and 17. But listen, you can check it out. You can subscribe to DAZN right now, and I highly encourage it because that fight is coming up. We're also brought to you by SeatGeek. The best app for buying and selling tickets to sporting events, concerts, and more. I recently used this for uh, To Kill a Mockingbird in New York City. Oh, no. I used it for Mean Girls in New York City, actually. Rizikis great. You just go on the map. Whatever is like dark green, you want those tickets. That means it's a great deal. Mean Girls is what? A play? It's now a play. Oh, I didn't know that. And it's now a rewatchables podcast as well. Of- Coming this week on the, uh, on, on the Ringer Podcast Network. When it comes to a lot of stuff, I'm get Broadway. I lack. I have a lot of holes in my yeah, game there. Me, you and me both, brother. For ten dollars off your first SeatGeek purchase in any gamer sporting event, use promo code BS. Download the SeatGeek app or go right to SeatGeek.com. If you missed all of our NFL draft stuff, check out the Ringer NFL show. Check out Dual Throw with Ryan Rosillo. Check out all the awesome pieces we did about it on the Ringer.com and Game of Thrones, obviously. We have uh, the hashtag Talk the Thrones, our big Twitter show, which is the biggest audience we've ever had for the uh, the big Winterfell battle. That's what we're calling it now. Ryan and I are going to be breaking that down at the end of this podcast because we have a lot, uh, just a ton of spoilers. Ryan has some questions. I don't even want to spoil those questions, but I, I I can't say it's a happy Ryan Russell right now. We're going to get to that. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. I don't we'll want to spoil, we'll do it I don't spoil it at all. Yeah. Uh, coming up, we're going to talk basketball. Nephew Kyle is here. Oh, and by the way, Binge Mode is coming out Wednesday night, and we'll break down the uh, 85-minute episode. So don't forget about that as well. And then one more thing, Channel 33, we're putting up tomorrow. My daughter, she's come on and done for realsies on this podcast every once in a while. Her 14th birthday is this week. I asked her what she wanted. She said one of the things she wanted was she wanted to do entire episodes of for realsies. Oh, so we did it. She did it with Liz Kelly. Kyle, it was like shockingly good. It was. Uh, you she might be and- a prodigy. Yeah. Um, Let me do more. But yeah, if you ever want to know about teen culture, tune into Channel 33 tomorrow. That's when that episode is dropping. Coming up, Ryan and I have a lot to get to in the basketball world and then Game of Thrones as well. But first, our friends from Tic Tac and Melatonin. Oh, yeah. Here they are. This is such a family production now. It really is. Got to hand it to somebody someday. I'm going to show up one day and your wife's going to be here in the podcast studio. And she's going to be like, we're doing something on chicken dishes. (laughs) Bill's like, what? Bill's out. We're just going to talk about how to braise a chicken. Uh, Lots to talk about. Since the last time we did this, Dame Lillard hit the 37-footer and ended the OKC season. We'll get to that later. The most topical thing to talk about, Warriors-Rockets game one. 
It feels like the finals. Uh, what doesn't feel like the finals is just the whining. There was whining during the game. There's whining after the game. It really feels like we have hit some officiating tipping point where this is just now how we watch basketball, where we're going to debate what's a foul, what wasn't a foul. People are, bl- people are foul blaming, foul shaming James Harden. You caused this. If you didn't flop so much, then maybe when you actually did get fouled, people would, would know you got fouled. Uh, everybody's complaining. It is the most ornery series for for an impactful series that I think we've had. And you could just, it's only in game one. I hate this stuff, Ryan. I'll start there. I know. And the thing is, is I wanted to tell you, and we do a really good job, I think, when we hang out, we eat and, and do our routine. We don't talk about really how we're going to do the pod. Yeah. And I almost requested, is there any way we can talk about the basketball part of this first? But no, let's do that. We're, we're are fine. you serious? Yeah, let's talk basketball first. I don't think it's wrong to do the ref thing first. I just don't I, enjoy it because there's so much good basketball stuff. It wasn't a great game, but there's just all these little things that I enjoy way well, let's, more. Let's get it out in the top that we just hate this and we just I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Nobody likes the NBA more than us. And it's I just have days where I'm like, oh, cool. Every possession everybody's acting like a kid was kidnapped. <laughs> it, it is. So Michael Lewis was on this podcast. We ran it last week. He's doing this podcast. Yeah, I listened to officiating. His, yeah, yeah. And he was, he was saying how if you really study this stuff, it's the best players are the ones who are always bitching. And now you have this series where you have Chris Paul, James Harden, Kevin Durant, you have the four Warriors game, six of the of the best, most entitled guys in the league, and they're on the same series, and they think they should get every call. And that's, you know, the Harden thing. I don't and know. We're doing it's, it, so let's just do it. Let's no, just no, do- it's just like. Well, because I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do we- it until we do it. All right, all right. So let me let it. me ask you a basketball. Let's talk basketball first. Bas- okay, so what are your basketball reactions about what this game meant for the rest of the series? This was mano a mano. So there was two mano a mano things going on this weekend, right? This was Kawhi against the Sixers and Kawhi asserting himself as the best player in that series. So regardless of how that series plays out, Kawhi has laid the groundwork. I'm the best player in this series. And maybe the best player in the East. And maybe the best player in the East, but I'm definitely the best player in this series. So that was the first thing. Second thing was it was Durant versus Harden and Durant was better. And this was, we talked about this last week. You asked me, who would I want in the playoffs? And I said, I'd want James Harden. And you were like, I don't know, dude. Haven't seen him do it in the playoffs yet. I think I would take Durant. And then you made me waver. And I'm like, fuck, you're right. Durant won the finals of MVP, beat LeBron twice. You saw it today. I mean, we saw it in game six. Game six against well, the Clippers was just one of those things. where I was in Boston. I was in my hotel. And guys are texting me, be like, when are you, when are you getting here? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think I want to be around anyone. I just want to sit in my room. Just watch, and watch this this magic and just not be distracted by anything. I the want thing to take was, it he did, almost did that in game five, too. I felt like they went away from him. He had like 45. I felt like he had 60 <laughs> in that game. So, okay. He's so, had over 200 points in five games. It's, he's, there's four guys who did it. It was Iverson, Jordan, Iverson, Jordan, LeBron, LeBron, and Kevin Durant. That's it. No, that was a great call because we saw that on SportsCenter. Great stat. And your outburst for it was great because it, it was perfect. You go, wait a minute. That's a real stat. 
Because yeah. if you think of all the stats that get thrown around, like, like, okay, what does that really mean? How does that change with the three-point shooting now? What do we, you know, some of the older stats, I always kind of go, you know, a lot of this stuff's pace. Like when those guys were screaming about Will Chamberlain not having the MVP last week during the playoffs, it was Van Gundy, Breen, and, and Jackson, and they were talking about Wilt's numbers. And you're like, if you go back and look at those rebounding numbers, they're off the charts. But it's also because guys just dribbled and took a shot immediately. Like it didn't yeah. matter, and they weren't always good shots. So uh, you're right about the Durant thing. Like no one's no one – thought that, you know, even though Harden's going to have an MVP year and may win it and, you know, would be justified in winning it, I don't know that there's any basketball world where I actually think he's a better overall player than than Durant. And what Houston's doing with this switching of everybody thing, which they do, and it, this is not a knock, but, you know, I always get a little freaked out about game ones and then assuming that it's going to look like that the rest of the way. You know, like Capella was a non-factor and they couldn't really play him because you knew Golden State was like, look, even with the Cousins thing now, which isn't a huge knock for them because Looney's been really good. He's good defensively. The Bogut minutes are okay. Um, they're they're going to go small. So they start small with this thing with Livington in the starting lineup. And then when Houston switching all that stuff, it was just, okay, we don't know if Clay is right. Steph didn't really have it going. His overall numbers are pretty good. But that Durant switch, or like, if you're just going to invite us into these bad switches, we're going to take it. And the crazy thing is, I think Houston would take all of those Durant shots that he had in the fourth quarter. The shots he was hit, those were incredible shots. So all the things that will change that we can point to of the outcome of this, I still feel like if you're Houston, you're going, even Durant, these are these are ridiculous. So we well, had 11 and a half time. He finished with 35. Right. But like the, and, and the they, step back. I saw a lot. Yeah, it was mid-post It was catch. basically like it was everything. Steve Kerr always talks about movement, fluidity, keep the ball moving, keep things going, keep cutting, and they just abandoned all of that because it was their best chance to win that game. Because Houston's extending everything. They're taking yeah. away the threes. The Warriors took 22 threes, which I think is the worst in a postseason game. Well, they had nine at halftime because I was texting with a friend of mine, and I was like, first of all, I, I, I don't know how the announcers don't notice that, but the Rockets were basically taking away the th the uh, the threes and they were okay with the twos because the Warriors were like 59% at halftime or something. Yeah, they were five for eight to start. Yeah. The game. Five for seven to start the game and then they had a one for eight stretch after that. So then you tack on another, I don't know, they only had one more make uh, I actually the rest thought, of the way. I thought the Rockets did everything right in that game. Capella was awful. You called him a non-factor. I thought he was he was actually worse than that. And he botched a pass underneath in the last like three minutes. That was like earlier in the year. He was just catching that and dunking. I don't know. He's hurt, right? There's something wrong with I him. I can't keep up with who's hurt and who isn't. But I, I actually see think the he's genuinely hurt. Because I had heard Clay was like legitimately hurt. I think he was. And then I, you know, I know everybody cringes as soon as you start doing the Steph is a little banged up thing. Um, <laughs> he's one of your just, least favorite quarters. But it's just, I, I, I'll tell you, like, I don't think he looked 100% right. I, I think he there's did. some movement stuff with him where I'm going, oh, this is starting to look like 2016 a little bit. But then Harden... Like, how crazy was that? Right before the game shows up, we see a picture with him with Cleveland Indians kid, and he's got his left hand wrapped. Yeah. And you're like, wait a minute, is this a LeBron? Why, he just got swept wrap? Or, like, what kind of wrap are we talking about here on the hand? So It's just a lot of Fortnite last night. I don't I don't think it's, it's fair to go, hey, I know these guys are more hurt than these guys, or what is it with Capella? I also think there's just some basketball stuff where bigs at times looked totally... Like, they're non-factories against Golden State. And there's other times where the big will beat you up and will get a bunch of rebounds. That's not the case with Capella. Can I 
Can I bring this to a big picture for a second? Even though Golden State won and even though Durant was the best player in this game, I actually felt like this was kind of a moral victory win for the Rockets. They didn't play well. They were never out of the game, no matter how badly it was going. It was never, it was always like, oh my God, the Warriors. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, they're up six. Oh man, they're not, oh, they're only up eight. And it just felt like the Rockets were around the well, think whole of the, time. Think of the way the first half ended. Now, granted, Golden State was atrocious with turnovers um, yeah, to start that, but, the game. Then they always are. Their thing, That's right. They're freaking sloppy. They they've just been... are. They, they've always, this entire run, look up their turnover numbers. They're always one of the worst teams in the league. But this felt like egregious in the first quarter. Yeah, we were like, they had like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, they were, they were re- careless. Yeah, and then, you know, so there was all the math there where it's like, well, look how poorly shoot Houston's shooting, but they're getting free throws, but Golden State's turning it over a ton. So all these things were kind of but, balancing each other out. But Houston was getting good shots. They so were. I don't mind if you're missing shots when you're getting good shots. And I felt like they were getting the shots they wanted. The pace of the game was what they wanted. And then when you think about this 27 misses in game seven from last year straight, and then it was like the first eight. Yeah. And you're sitting at home being like, they've missed 35 threes in a row against the same opponent over the course of two years in the playoffs. That's, that that's just, that's well, Ripken. The other thing I liked, Eric Gordon started out the game. He was like, oh, for six from three to start the game. But I liked the way he was playing. I felt like I've watched that guy a lot. I had season tickets his first couple of years of the clips. He's not always healthy. He had, he's, you know, he's a little streaky. He's almost like a baseball player. But there's when when he has it going and he's locked in, you can kind of see it immediately. Even though he is missing early, I felt like he was like in that game on both ends, and there was like a him versus Clay thing. I felt like that was that Daryl actually started a week ago, and uh, all the Warriors fans are mad about it. Daryl is basically like basically making them equals. He had some interview that he did, and he said, "Well, and Eric's actually more versatile than Clay, something like that." So the Warriors fans are mad about that. I thought Gordon brought it tonight. I thought Chris Paul looked good. Like he he looks about as as frisky as you'd want him to be for May, right? Considering he's always breaking down right around now. Well, he shouldn't. I mean, it shouldn't be a breakdown thing. I mean, injuries are well, just, just gonna happen. But, yeah. But I mean, think about the way he was used this year. And like there's there's no it's not like he's coming off of eighty two here or even seventy. So, so they paced that part well. Right. Tucker looks good. Their bench was okay. The, the, Tucker had a bad game. But if he's, you just look at the box Tucker, score. Though. Yeah. But uh, he's in the mix. He's getting rebounds yeah, right. in traffic. You can't, you can't just look at him, his O for shooting because he's I think, a playoff guy. Yeah, like he he ended up. I mean, if you just look at thirty nine, what was it? Yeah, thirty nine minutes, O for four, zero points. That looks terrible, but no, he's actually he, still an important like, guy to be out there. So look, I'm not I'm not knocking him any of that. I just Capella you, was the one that stood out to me as like, whoa, what's wrong with you? Then there was a lot of Nene, and he there was, was good. this crazy moment. Well, offensively at least, there was this crazy moment near the end when. Uh, I think Durant was at the line. Durant or Curry was at the line and they brought Nene in or maybe Harden was at the line. They brought Nene in for the rebound and for the free throw and it ends up and all of a sudden now Curry gets switched on him and Curry makes the three to win the game. And I was like, why is Nene out there? Biggest possession in the game. Is that my best five? Because they had a chance to sub there. And if the Neza and Curry targets that was after the, the, the Durant turnover that was like, you know, we'll, we'll be forgotten forever. Because oh, yeah. it was horrible. I mean, right. I'd, I'd like to see the replay of it again from a better angle. Because you know, look again. Everybody's like, "Oh, he got fouled. He got fouled. He got fouled. He got fouled." The whole freaking game. But you know, Golden State when they lost to Cleveland in 2016, they invited themselves into awful switches. Like they would get out into these switches on defense, 
And there are times where they didn't even have to switch. They could have fought through it or they could have recovered. And Cleveland killed them with it. It was, it was happening a lot in that series. And it's a huge credit to Cleveland. Houston goes so slow that when they switch you, that they give you time to get back to the right matchup that you want defensively. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and knock Houston's approach and all that stuff because they can win this series. We just know that as slow as they go and as ISO as the Harden thing is and trying to, you know, when Curry, who is, I think, one of the smartest players in the league, except for he's so stupid when it comes to his own foul management. Yeah. I mean, I can't believe, like, he gets the fifth and he played good defense, but he still was putting himself in a bad spot when he felt like he was being ISOed that entire possession. But then he tried to reach in again. That could have been his sixth. They didn't call it. Like, at one point, I was convinced he was going to foul out. You know, one of the things that everybody loves about Coach K is that he coaches to fouls really well. So if a good player on the other team has too many fouls and he's still in the game, they'll make a point of just, you know, forget our offensive flow. Let's keep in the attacking that guy. Houston has no offensive flow to necessarily get out of. And they didn't they didn't attack Curry enough or they went slow enough where it allowed Curry to get back to a guy that wasn't like part of the initial action. So Well, wait, hold on on that point. This is an old school low field goal attempt game. Oh, yeah. 75 for the Warriors, 74 for the Rockets. That's like out of, you know, the 2003, 2005 range. The difference is <laughs> the Rockets take 74 shots to take 47 threes. So when they're on the road, they're, this was my, my big picture point is this was exactly the game they wanted to play. Yeah, right. The pace right. they wanted to play, the amount of three pointers compared to two pointers they wanted. Um, they got three three really good performances from a volume standpoint from the three guys they wanted. Harden to make all of his shots, but Gordon Paul and uh, Harden, they wanted those guys taking most of the shots. I mean, Gordon had just 27, you know? So Gordon, I would agree, is a, is a really underrated guy. But I'm saying um, they got 35 threes out of those three guys, how about which Gordon's, is what they want going into that yeah, game. How about Gordon's layup when he drove one on three at the end of the game? And I'm like, how, what? You know, I think McKinney might have been in, and then he just went yeah. eyes wide open. And I'm like, all right, let's go do this. So I, th I think the points that we're making here are the same in that if you're Houston, I know – I know you're upset, and we're going to get to all this now. I just think they're going to win the series, though. I, this this game didn't change my opinion. Oh, so of you that. picked Houston? I did, okay. and I still and think they're going to win the series. Did you pick them because you bet on them, or did you bet on? No, them I bet on them before the them. playoffs. I think they're better. And I'm not sure that I'm ready to say they're better. I think they can win this series. I'm picking Golden State in seven because I just think it's it's that kind of series. Like when I hear people like, "Oh, whatever, Warriors in five, Warriors," I'm like, "What? Like I don't know how you could be that dismissive." of who Houston is because well, Houston's going to have Houston's going to have one of those games where the threes are just barraging you to death and there's really not much you can do but look at everything that went right for the Warriors in this game Draymond and Iguodala were combined 13 for 16 that's not happening again I'm sorry Durant 24 in the second half I mean he can keep doing that but uh, so I think those shots, kind of I don't know that th that many makes that he had like three possessions in a row that were just stupid. I don't even know if that's repeatable for him. So I'm agreeing. We with know you. he can do it though. Yeah. Okay. But, but I mean, that's. But seriously, if you're Houston, you're walking, you're breaking down that film afterwards defensively. Like, okay, there's not like even though when you get switched on to Paul, um, Paul Paul does a good job. I'm still making you work for that despite the massive height disadvantage. I think a home team is supposed to win game one. 
I think the Rockets played the exact same game they want, the exact game they wanted to play going into it. It didn't totally turn out the way they wanted it to, but they can replicate it. And that that was my takeaway from this game. Right. Every, the Warriors have really no plan B. Like they kind of, Kerr emptied the basket for game one, I felt like. He had, he started Iguodala, um, was using small lineups, was doing all kinds of stuff. And uh, I don't know. Now he's kind of shown his cards. I, I look at this Warriors thing from a big, big, big picture standpoint. And, the, you know, the between the radar stuff, if you read between the lines of the of the way Kerr talks about the team and the way the guys talk about it in general, just this five-year run, how debilitating that is. Five straight finals where, you know, MJ was in three straight finals plus game seven Eastern Conference finals and, like, took a break from sports. You know, LeBron did eight straight finals goes into the summer, doesn't even really seem to care what TV's on the next year. Like he was like, I need a break. I, I'm like, I'm okay if I don't make the finals this year, but I'm okay throwing away this one year. I'll do my best. But if it doesn't happen this year, it's actually maybe a good thing I can refuel my batteries. You go on down the line, it's just hard to do this. It's hard to do eight, nine month seasons, year after year after year. And you see Clay start, whatever's wrong with him, which we both heard the same thing, something's wrong. The, the ankle thing. I think he's just a tough dude, but I think he has a bad ankle sprain. Curry's starting to break down. Um, this is feels like the last stand. That it definitely was my feeling like heading it. into oh, this yeah. series, and I think they feel that. No matter how this plays out, if they win the title again, I think this is the last version of this team. Maybe Bob Myers goes. Maybe Durant goes. You know, maybe they reinvent what they are. But this is this is really starting to feel like last stand to me. And if they got along better, then maybe it would be a rallying cry. And uh, I don't, you know, look, I don't think they got along great last year. I think they had year. some great text threads. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if, like, Durant found out he wasn't on one? Like, he, there's two, but then there's another one with the other four guys. There's not one with him. And, well, you know, the, the rumors swirling around. Like, can you imagine the stuff that they hear? Oh, yeah. If, if there's stuff that we hear about Durant's whole thing. So I, I think you do go a little too body language expert on stuff. I know. That's where, one of our big differences. Yeah, right. Where I feel like writers, now that I'm a writer, I get it a little bit more. You're a writer. Right. That you guys love all the dramatic storylines, even if sometimes they're total overreactions, <laughs> that if the Rockets beat them, it won't be that the Rockets have this great approach and this great system because they're still not as talented as Golden State. It has to be that there's all these underlying things that people love pointing out after the fact. But I know last year, it wasn't this this really connected group. And they still, despite being down three games to two to Houston and feeling like you guys don't even look like the Warriors anymore. Like that's real toughness to come Agreed. back and win that series the way they did. And, you know, Cleveland wasn't going to be think, much I of I just an think it's worse per, from a... From a chemistry point, I just think it's been worse this year. Because and of the exhaustion thing, too? Because I'll buy that. I think it's the exhaustion. I think just the constant, where's everybody going stuff. And, and you know, people work together for a couple of years. They get tired of each other. It doesn't have to be the biggest thing in the world. Anyone in any office gets tired of each other after a while. You know, you get a little bitchy. But in this case, you know, I think you can pull together. I think what the difference this time around is the hierarchy flipped really over the last two weeks where this was like Durant and Curry. This is their team together. 
And it's really feels like it's Durant's team now. And anytime they need anything, they, they go through him, they look for him. Um, they're running more stuff than they've ever run before these last two weeks. Even in that game five loss to the Clips, he just, it felt a little 2016 OKC-ish. How he was being used and what the usage rate was. Yeah, it was feel Bayless out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't even know. I don't know that they're running a ton of stuff. I think a lot of it is save us on this possession. Yeah, that's and, what I'm talking about. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, when Curry first came onto the scene and took it to that next level in 15, I remember going, this is so amazing and different that like there's part of me that was like, is this going to be this fluky year that somebody shoots this many threes and hits this many? And then we realized that just shooters were expanding their abilities. Yeah. You know, and the thing that I always think that's kind of funny about the evolution of basketball is you know, think about being younger kids. And, and I remember when Mike McGill, I think pulled a, 540 okay um What's no five, 520 it'd be a 520 right so it was like a turn and a half on a skateboard so instead of a 360 or yeah. 720 um no no it was a five 540 yeah and uh it was like my god like one and a half turns and then guys just keep pushing it they just keep pushing the limits of all of this stuff like think of all this, the the x game stuff where you look at guys pulling tricks and you're like i can't believe that guy like tried to double back flat professional like, wrestling's like, like this too guys are doing like point. 720 flips off the top rope great yeah. point i'd say receivers are catching balls that no one's ever caught before but it's really more the gloves than it is anything else yeah but then when old timers try to tell you that like the world is, humans are evolving, bigger, faster, stronger, but old time basketball players seem to think the only people that aren't evolving are basketball players. And, and to see Curry kind of be at the forefront of this expanded shot range, and unfortunately, I think a lot of guys in the league take shots when they're not even ready and they're so far out, and that's a whole other thing. But it, it was real. It became real. So when Curry isn't doing that in playoff games and he's running through stuff and getting everybody distracted and the defense still moves in this way where they're focused on him because you just have to. When he has a game like he had in game one where he's not taking any of those shots, really. Yeah. The, the, the fuck you three. Where it's like, hey, I'm just going to dribble up half court and transition and pull up from 30 feet and hit it and turn around before I even look. When he doesn't hit any of those, it feels like you're seeing some diluted version of him. Except when you look at the box scores and everything that he had with the Clippers, like he had a great game six. He was incredible in game one. He had like four good games in that series. But people look at Durant and what he did in game six. No one's ever going to talk about Curry. And I know it makes it sound like I'm defending Curry here. He's had a couple bad games you know, by his standards. The key but it's point just, to this, it's like the Tyreek Hill point, right? I'm throwing away all the shit that's happened with Tyreek Hill now. But, you know, when he's on the field, he could have three catches for 50 yards, but have a massive impact on the game. Because anytime he's in motion, anytime they send him deep, the defense is so worried about him. That it opens things up for everybody else. That's what Curry's been doing for five years now, and that's what it's. It's a great he opens comp. up space and and uh, and fear. It's a great comp because you you'll watch the Chiefs and go, why don't you just throw it to Hill again? Right. And when I watch Curry, I think all of us do. When you're watching Curry, you're like, well, why don't you just pull it from there? Like you can take that shot. Now Houston, that's clearly the game plan. Keep everybody up front here. Shut a lot of that stuff down. And if they're going to leave Durant one on one with defenders all the time. Like, I can never understand. Like, I, I get everybody has their system, and these are our principles, and we can't devi deviate from any of this stuff. But to never want to change a lookup on somebody, like, hey, look, on first dribble, send a double. Just, just you know, hey, guys, next time, like, Dan Tony can communicate that. 
And I know it feels like, oh, somebody's going to hit this wide open shot. I don't care. I don't understand why people don't like try to just run a zone at Houston every now and then. What's the worst going to happen? They're going to hit a three. Well, they're going to do that to you like 30 times a game anyway. I want to point out that maybe not 30, but the Warriors are basically a seven man team now if if Bogut's not going to play. So if we're, if we're just talking about game one overreactions to the series, that's, I think, going to decide the title unless Kawhi just goes on a legendary run or the Celtics collectively get super hot or whatever happens. <laughs> I can't believe we didn't open with the Celtics. They, their five starters played 40, 43, 37, 34, 41. McKinney played nine. Looney played 16. Boga played five. Livingston played 14. They don't trust McKinney. You can't play Bogan in this series. Jordan Bell, you can't play. Jarebko might have a moment in this series. I wouldn't rule it out, but really it's a seven-man rotation. And then from the Rockets' standpoint, you know, they have their starting five. It seems like they can trust House, Nene, and Shumpert. I wouldn't personally trust Gerald Green. He was minus 16 in seven minutes in this game. I, I love that he had a Gerald Green moment today, though, when he hit that three on the yeah. only shot he took in the game. Like, Gerald was... Because I just I can recognize these things from being a bad pickup hoops player. Yeah, but Green hits that three and then looks around, super annoyed, like, and he goes, now, "Come on!" <laughs> <laughs> like as if the rest of the team was gonna go. Yeah, you know what? He's fucking right. He's right. We should make those. Let's let's hey, let's pick it up a notch. Yeah, let's you see, he's right. He made some good points. So yeah, I think this is gonna be a seven man rotation versus an eight man rotation the rest of the way. And if Shumpert's in the eight man though, did you like what you see from Shump today? No, I just think they're gonna have to play him. I I, I don't think they have any choice because you can't play Chris Paul played thirty six minutes today, which is a lot for him. When they dialed him up last year in this Warriors series, he got hurt. I don't think it was a coincidence. But my bigger, bigger, bigger picture point. But for Paul, just to jump in there, for Paul's thirty six minutes, how much is he actually moving on offense? Like this know. is not a Paul thirty six minute Clipper thing. He's playing thing. on defense though. Yeah, he is. But I mean, you almost get to take a break in Houston's offense. I don't so, know playoff minutes. I, I I don't think the seven versus eight rotation thing is going to be the deciding factor. I don't. I don't think it's as big of a factor. I don't know. think it's a deciding factor. I wanted to bring it up because the bigger, bigger picture point. I think this series is going to take a lot out of both of these teams. There you go. And you got Portland next round. I was not impressed with Denver in that last series. And let's say Portland beats Denver in five and gets some momentum. There, Whoever comes out of this series is going to be limping to round three. I don't think Portland's better than either of these teams, but I would want to play one of these two teams after this series. You know, and they like, think about last year. Same thing, right? Just a slugfest, seven games, brutal. They get to the next game. Cleveland should have won that game. And LeBron was, I mean, LeBron played the best game I've ever seen him play. But it was a nice time to kind of catch them after the seven games. Now they have to play two series after this. I just think this is going to be a brutal series. And and I think I think there's going to be heavy, heavy minutes, heavy shot load, people just bitching. It's going to be, it's a real aggro, angry series. Everybody's going to be upset the whole time. We haven't even had any real bad blood yet. But man, to come out of this and have to play two more rounds is fucking brutal. Yeah, that's an absolutely great point. Thank and you. I know that, you know, throughout the course of the season doing these and, and checking in, because, you know, really didn't start picking them up until after the Super Bowl. And we're looking at OKC, and it was before they really fell apart at the end of the year. And the thing I kept thinking was, you know, I feel like emotionally they have the guys on that team and the Durant factor that if they're playing each other, you know, say in the Eastern Con or Western Conference Finals, 
um, you know, who knows, because the seating all got switched around, but that they would have kind of that edge to them that they'd be able to go out there and compete. But we still hadn't discovered really what Houston was going to end up finishing the season at. And yep. Houston, in a way, has gone under the radar about how great they are. I know I've brought this up before. They're number one defensively. They're number two in, or excuse me, number two in defense, number one in net rating since the All-Star break. And I don't love Utah because I don't like one scoring team, like one score teams. Me I just, in the playoffs, if you have one guy that can kind of get a bucket on his own when everything falls apart, I'm not going to like you. But they were, I think they were, clearly superior to them so they're coming into all this stuff and you know we ended up being wrong about the okc thing because they couldn't even get out of their own way and they start falling apart and they clearly have confidence issues and we've already talked about the thunder a bunch but houston emotionally should be so motivated because of what happened last year and because they've played each other enough in the playoffs now despite houston having more different pieces than golden state does i don't think any of those guys like there's no more of the we can't beat these guys. Like they're going home, not hey, we we hung it. Like they're pissed. They're pissed, and of course they're even more pissed. Which I think now is probably the good time to transition into really what was the talking point of the entire game. Well, we just to hold that point. The, the last point, just with the words in general, is nobody's afraid of these guys anymore, yeah. especially in Oakland. Yeah, and that's been something that's happened all season. I do think it matters. I do think like just the way teams whether it was like the kung the king's sons type of teams or fellow contenders have just gone in there and like yeah fuck you guys we'll play with you and but the, i the think they brought that of, on themselves a bit too though and i don't know that anybody could stay that charged up five straight years like this and i'm go, not even saying it's yeah. them i think i think honestly i think it's more a case of so many teams play like them now that it doesn't really feel that crazy to play the Warriors. Yeah, the lineup of death isn't even, we didn't even call it that anymore. Three years ago, it was like, oh my God, all these guys are on the same team. And that, look at these shooters. And now it's like, teams are like, fine, we've played you guys already. We get it. So the thing that they haven't had before is Durant at the level he's at now. Even I mean, the guy won two finals MVPs. I felt this way when I saw uh, game three in person of the Clippers series. Because he had 40 plus that night, but that one felt like he could have had like 70 if he was really like, I'm taking 40 shots in this game. I, the array of shots that he makes during the course of a game, I feel like he's at the peak of his powers as a scorer. And something's a little bit different about him. He seems a little more engaged the last month or so. Definitely There's definitely like he was yeah. coming and going during the season. There's definitely this, this separation thing with he and Curry that is turning into knocking Curry and no, Curry's still really, like the fifth best guy in the league, but Durant's but, just but better it's than just him. What, what he did in that Clippers game that you went to, and then you know to go back to game six and see some of these shots. And I know, look, I know he's made a ton of these in his entire career, but you know, last year in the NBA Finals, it was looking like Curry was finally going to get his Finals MVP. Yeah. And then couldn't hit a shot. Well, uh, this, could, this let's take a break because this leads to a point I want to bring up. Let's take a break to talk about Heinz mayonnaise transforms ordinary foods into an unforgettably creamy experience. You might forget your coworkers' names or what happened three seasons ago on that show that everyone's talking about, but you'll never forget a delicious potato salad made with creamy Heinz mayo. Foods made with Heinz mayonnaise won't just be the unforgettably creamy highlight of your week. They may well be the highlight of your 20s, 30s, 40s, or whatever you are. Slather it onto a mouth-watering turkey club incorporated into your tuna salad. Mix it into a luscious garlic aioli. Layer it onto a thick cheddar cheeseburger. This is making me hungry. 
spread it onto a BLT, whatever you want to do. Hours later, you'll be telling everyone within earshot just how good it was. You know what I like to do with Heinz mayonnaise, Kyle? Put a little Dijon mustard with it, mm-hmm. mix it together, a little roast beef and cheddar. Oh, on a lettuce wrap. Nice. I like when the Heinz mayonnaise mixes with the Dijon mustard. I agree. That's My roommate saw it in the fridge. He asked me if I got a raise the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. And I said, no, they just sent me some nice must- uh, mayonnaise. So. It's delicious. Leave the boring old blah mayo on the shelf where it belongs. Try something new. Try unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise. And the new Heinz mashups, mayo chip, mayo Q, mayo must, and cranch. Holy mackerel. Check it out, Heinz Ben. All right. Um, we're talking about the officiating in one second. I wanted to bring up quickly, I think this is an important point. And it's based off what we talked about last week, and we didn't get into it, I felt like, as good as we could have. If there's a championship belt for the best guy, right? LeBron had that belt basically from, I think, 09 to last year in the finals. He's the best guy in the league. When the moment came, that was the guy you wanted. And I think he held that title for as long as anybody. If you go before him, so I made a little list. Kobe, 08, 09. Duncan, 03 to 07, 08 range. I feel like he was the guy. And maybe he didn't win the MVP more than those two times in a row. But it was like, in a series, that's the guy I wanted for five years. Yeah. Does that make I, sense? Duncan, um, honestly, I think you could even... I mean, Duncan's different, and it's harder, I think, for people to understand. Well, it depends on your age on this one, but like, you want to throw it into the post on a big key possession, and you're like, yeah, with Duncan, you did. You best actually teammate. Did. He got right. better in the playoffs. Best two-way You might be shortchanging him. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, Duncan was like, I think I picked the Spurs to win for 10 straight years. I'm serious, because right. at one point. Before him, it was Shaq from that 99 to 2000 season through the third title. Before that, there was a year where there was nobody. The year after Jordan retired, that lockout year, I didn't. Nobody had that crown. Nobody Crozier? even kind of knew who the best guy was. Who? Austin Crozier. Well, it was just depending on the night. Uh, but then it was obviously Jordan and Hakeem. Hakeem, the two years Jordan was out, but Jordan that whole decade. And you go backwards. Barkley that one year. Magic eighty-seven to ninety. Bird eighty-three to eighty-seven. Moses eighty-one to eighty-three. Kareem seventy-eight to eighty-one. I could keep going. Kareem, 78 to 71. Well, Kareem had- No, I'm not arguing it. Kareem was 70 to 75 and 78 to 81. He had two different prolonged stretches. I'll put this on my Instagram so Bob Pettit, 57 to 58, 56 to 58. Yeah, Yeah. Bob Pettit. He's on there. Bullet Bob. Russell, 58 to 66. Wilt, 66, 68. Jerry West, 68, 69. Vacant, 69, 70 season. And then Kareem. Um, my point is, I think Durant might actually be grabbing the belt. I think we might be watching it right now. Which is funny because when you look at the regular season, like I think this has been a big, you would know this better than I would, so you can confirm or say something. But I really feel like, you know, he goes to win because he kind of wants to find basketball happiness. And then, you know, it's kind of, it's a thing with me, right? Like I know in my life I could be happier at times. Yeah. And then you move and you're like, man, everything's going to be different. This it's like, great. yeah, if you're the same, though, nothing's going to be different. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So Durant moved, and then he hasn't admitted the part where it's like, you need to do a job of being happier, man. Yeah. And the, the cloud's going to follow you city to city. Yeah, right. It doesn't matter where you're going until you make the changes. And 
he is is clearly doing that and i think in the quest of trying to have the undisputed belt here he's like well, wait a minute so now i'm up here and i win and i get the nba finals but i still don't get to get the belt and it wasn't would, just that it was he didn't have the we've talked about this but it was still curry's team yeah but and he I, knew and he was curry's team curry city and he could never change that but okay. now i think i don't even think he's thinking that way anymore i think he's thinking like lebron's out i'm the best player in the league I'm going to prove it right now. And except, that was the feeling I've got the last two weeks. Okay, except though, he has spent the entire regular season hearing he's not the best player. Because I think he's smart enough to know after going through the grind these last few years, like, I'm gonna, I just want to be ready in April. I really think he picked his spots. He was up and down, had some shit happen. But I just think he's like, this spring, I'm flipping the switch. And he actually flipped the switch. And that's why I've been when, a different guy the moment the playoffs absolutely. started. And that's why, though, when we do this stuff all season long, and I always feel like nobody agrees with me, but when we do this thing, it's like Harden's the best player in the world, huh? I'm like, well, his numbers are incredible. Hey, Giannis, like, he's probably the best player in the NBA now. And you go, okay, but like, this thing is. There, there's, well, it's, there's, it's regular season player, though. No, we're I talking know, but, regular season. But when we start so saying stuff playoffs. like this guy's the best in the world, like to me, there's levels. There's levels where you're slowly like stacking all this stuff. Yeah. That's beyond how sick your stats were for any given season. So, you know, to look at Giannis all year was in, was nuts. Same thing with Harden. But there's always a part of me that's like, do I really want to say either of these guys are actually better basketball players? than Kevin Durant is. And back to the point that we got with last week, it's like, I don't really blame you for picking Harden. I disagreed. I made my, you know, mild argument about Harden in the playoffs and how bad he's been in certain big games. And yeah, I don't, you know, if this, if he keeps doing what he's doing, I don't think Houston's going to beat them. This is what Steve Kerr said today. Kevin's run this past week has been off the charts. He's the most skilled basketball player on earth. He's one of the most skilled basketball players to ever play the game. There's never been anybody like him. 6'11", handles the ball, shoots threes, passes, defends. Just an unbelievable talent. I think after we lost game to the Clippers, he just felt like he had to turn it up and lift us to another level. It's exactly what he's done. And that's the difference between when we talked about this last week and this week. He went. He added this gear to his game that I don't think, I don't think anybody else has the capability of doing. If and I got to be honest, I wasn't, sure if, I wasn't sure if he still had it in him anymore because he's 30. Been well, like eleven years. Yeah, I know. I don't know. I, I just seems... didn't. Know, I didn't know if he still had it. I didn't think he didn't. But it's nice to see. I'm happy. If he keeps doing this, like no one is really even allowed to say anybody's a better player in the world than him. Well, and his argument is from the moment he beat LeBron head to head in seventeen, he's been the best player in the league. Right. That's but what, the counter to that is that's what look, he thinks. Yeah. Okay. But then the he's counter like, what else would I be, knew? I beat LeBron in the finals two years in a row. I'm the best player with a much better team. True. So that's I, I'm not knocking him for it. I'm just saying. That's, I'm saying if that's, you were Kevin Durant, that's what you would tell your friends. Eh. They'd be like, "Who's the best player in the league?" You'd be like, "I beat LeBron two years in a row. I'm the best player." What's the point? Why do we have these series? I'm not saying I agree or disagree. I also think you have to convince yourself you're the best player. True, but it's part of being the best player. I think I would even be like, "Man, you know, Tristan Thompson. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I should have won this one." It's I gotta say, as as somebody who just loves basketball, I'm bummed out James Harden isn't doing better in the playoffs. I really wanted him to go to another level. 
That's his mo, man. He just has some of these games. I but actually, it, it started last series. Yeah, no, I know. It's like, hey, dude, you're supposed to go. You think he was a, that bad in game one? What do you mean? You think he was that bad in game one of this no, series? No, I think he was fine because he wasn't. Um, no, I'm saying he was fine. He yeah, was the game. Like, the game. Uh, my point is, this guy was transcendent for a long stretch of the regular season. And I was like, I hope he does that in the playoffs and he's not really doing it. And it's a bummer. Well, things happen to Harden in the playoffs. Well, there and you go. I've pointed. So now it was going into game one. So regular season. And I, I looked this all up on all the Houston years today. Regular season, free throw attempts, playoff attempts, regular season playoffs this year, 11 a game playoffs this year, seven and a half last year, 10 a game last year, 7.8 in the playoffs. 2017, 11 free throws a game till 10.9. Then it barely dipped down. It's it's always the last four years. It's always less free throws, and it's it's dramatically less. Can I make an excuse for him? I think with the way Houston has played the last few years, when you see that every time over the course of two weeks, between five and seven times the series, it's just easier to defend. Oh, it's absolutely. Easier to do. So I think I, that's right. why his free throws are down. I just think well, I also teams think have Cruz, a better sense of what to do. So let's do this now then. Are we cool? The referees? Talking? Yeah, because yeah, let's do it. Because we have way we have so many other things to talk about. Right. But when I watch Harden in these games, and like there's a there'll be a couple Utah games he wasn't getting any calls. And I'm not saying that's necessarily even a bad thing, but you know, I think officials, because they're doing these series and they're like, okay, well, like I'm doing this game in this playoff series. Like I'm not worried about a red eye to Milwaukee tomorrow. Yeah. And I, you know, so like we can really, I think the refs kind of pre-scout the stuff and say, let's, let's make sure, you know, we're locked in on tendencies. Yeah. And that's where Harden's selling of every call where he's falling down and has gotten that call so much in the regular season, I think that's part of it too. So I think there's definitely a defensive awareness and a pattern to it where you're more used to it. You start doing some different stuff. You become more comfortable. I mean, that's the whole point of these seven-game series. But the refs, it was clear in the beginning of this one, if they felt like it was 50-50 on the contact with Harden on a three-point attempt, he didn't get the call early. And because everybody complains so much, I think sometimes these guys take themselves out of it, even though, look, Harden still ended up with, what, 35 points? So when Harden didn't get the first one on Clay to the right side, Harden actually extended his hands down, his arms down onto Clay, but it probably should have been a foul. The second one with Clay was worse. Like it looked like he was in whatever the landing area is. And is anybody who's listening to this is screaming that they know what the landing area is? No, you don't. Because I don't fucking know anybody. Like I, you could tell me and pretend you know. The NBA doesn't know either. They don't know. It's what like, was it's the like, one where he took the three, but he's he kicked his feet forward so he landed a foot forward that, that was, was the second one that was the last oh, that was one. Draymond that was the Draymond one and I've watched it I'll show it to you again if you want I have no I video. saw it I, he I, started two feet behind the three-point line at the top and his left foot lands a foot over inside and that to me has to be a no call it has to be I, one a no million call percent agree. because if you're telling me that no one can ever land in the landing zone but the offensive player gets to determine where his landing zone is, then fucking pack it up because this game's got no shot. Because if you're going to call that every time in this fake landing zone that everybody thinks they know what it is, it's it's to you won't be you'll never be able to contest a shot. So sometimes Harden's selling of it, and to, for people to go and Harden was bitching about it after the fact, and Draymond went back at him, and all of these guys bitch incessantly. It's actually brutal. But Harden. 
Harden hurts himself sometimes, the officials, because if your rep is like, hey, Harden, you know, make sure we know, make sure like he's not going to get some calls. But at the same time, I'm not going to feel bad for him when he takes 15 free throws. And he actually pushed off on on Draymond with the right arm on that non-call. He had another play with McKinney where he grabbed his forearm and tucked him in and gets called like Harden's in the black. Okay, when it comes to the lifetime free throw deal, that's a good point. Harden's in the black here. Okay, he's he's doing all right. But he's not thinking <laughs> of it that way. Black yeah, Jack. exactly. He's batting 50, 55%. Harden's never going to think that way. No, really, most athletes, even bad ones, are ever, they're never going to think that, oh, you know what? I've gotten a few calls my way. It's just not the way that it works. So the evolution of the way the game has been called in the way that it's just basically about players tricking refs all the time and the refs let a little bit more, like a little bit more land is given up in this battle between player and ref every single season. It started with flops 10 years ago, and then the rip through and these bullshit threes where a guy jumps into the defender and they try to correct all this stuff. This game is so much about tricking the official that when the official doesn't fall for your shit, you're irate, not because you're a liar, because you've been conditioned to get that call all the time. So you actually think your argument's a justified argument, and that to the bigger point is why I think we have so many issues with players and refs now. I blame Reggie Miller. I think he started it. But there was a gap. There was he, a gap. He planted the seed. I uh, I hate it. I hate what's happened in the sports. Like they just, the NFL announcing that now we can challenge pass interference. I can't wait for how bad that is. Instant replay and and just debating whether the officials made a good call or not. It passed the this is crazy point like six years ago, and it's just worse every year. And it's 100% worse with the NBA because this has become Van Gundy's passion point is to just litigate every call. So you, when we're watching these games that are the biggest games, here's eight replays and here's Van Gundy. I would much rather hear Van Gundy talk about the game. I don't care about his opinion on, the, on whether it was a good call or a bad call. I really don't. I don't care about anybody's opinion. But it's it's just become ingrained now in the games that we're watching, and I think I think this series over any series we've had, this is this is just going to be what we do for two weeks, and it's a bummer because I think we should be talking about Durant versus Harden, the Warriors' last run. There's all these great subpoints. Whether whether Dan Tony has it in him to pull out a series like this, he has in his whole career, you know. Right, and Chris it's these Paul little again. moments like right. Nene on Curry on the biggest play of the game. You know, it's just these little tiny moments, but they always seem to go against him. I can't um, believe. I just think I, there's better things to talk about. Well, I, I'm, that's why I'm glad we started with the basketball part of it. But this is the overriding thing. This will be the lead of the talk shows. This is like you leave this game and you see how it's just talked about in the social media sphere. Of, I don't know. That term didn't really come out as hot as I wanted it to. But I still, I still enjoyed it. It. I can't tell. Like, am I? Am I the idiot? You know, am I the one? But I just, I know that's not true because I look at the Chris Paul three against Livingston that he hit that actually went in. Paul tried to do almost a somersault into Livingston at his side. Yeah. And there's people going, now, if you want to talk about the contact at the top, I would concede that because there was, but nobody's bringing that up. Everybody's like, no, no, no. Livingston got into his landing area. And you go, what did, like, what did everybody come in landing area expert? So I just, what's, we, we did this enough. Because I think the players, the player, the NBA, though, has a, has a it's, you know, the least objective person in the world is an NBA player when the ball goes out of bounds. But it's become. I just 
You no, know, we did enough. Let's move on. We have right, so many good. more things to Thank talk you. about. I did. I can't find the email, but a reader sent me a really good uh, idea for this, where if a player goes nuts after claiming he didn't commit a foul or he got fouled or whatever, and the replay shows he was full of shit, we keep like a full of shit count. So like Draymond's like, oh, show the replay. Oh, he did hack that guy. He's saying he didn't. Add another one of the full shit thing. And if you get to like nine full shits, you're suspended the next game. Well, remember they were fining people for flopping? Yeah. That stopped. Then they tried to do a thing, it was over 10 years ago, where they said, hey, enough of this. This was 10 years ago about the interactions of players and refs. Yeah, if you yelled the refs. They just tech, they gave everybody a tech like in the first month of the season. Yeah. And then they're like, this isn't going to work. So I don't know. Look, Draymond, you know, Draymond Draymond, should get seven techs a game. Every time he commits a foul, he runs 50 feet. What he did after his first tech. And then, you know, as much as I love the game of him. He was really good today. I, I just, I'm like, do you really, are you that delusional? And then like when he, guys like he and Chris Paul are like, man, everybody's out to get me. Fucking wake up. What you did this to yourself. You did this to yourself because every fucking call is the end of the world. And you should get way more technicals than he actually well, I did. told you about going to those Clipper games, though. I didn't even want to go to the game anymore. Between him and Blake and Doc, it was like... Well, that's a trifecta. Oh, it was like it was just the yeah. bitch trifecta. But Doc, Every single have you ever asked Doc ever about it? What? I'd be like, man, I did an interview when I was like, you complain every call. He's like, yeah, I know. He's like, it's terrible. <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's take a quick break because there's so much more to talk about. Hey, you know, half of guys over 40 will experience erectile dysfunction at some point in their life. Oh, yeah, it's true. It can be difficult to talk to a doctor about it. That's why Roman has made it easy to chat with a doctor online. Listen up. It's a one-stop shop, Roman. Treat ED from the comfort and privacy of your own home. Handle everything online in a convenient, discreet manner. Um, Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash Bill. Complete an online visit. If it goes fast and a doctor agrees... That treatment will be appropriate. They'll prescribe genuine medication delivered to your door in discreet packaging, free two-day shipping. So talk to a doctor. ED can be tough to tackle. Really important to get it checked out. Roman giving new members a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Go to GetRoman.com slash Bill. Once again, free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Bill. Speaking of uh, coaching and refereeing stuff. The president... Is Greg Popovich. Oh, wait a minute. We're doing the Spurs. He was just bang it out quick. What happened? Pop. End of the game, up, uh, down four. It's almost even shot clock. It's a few seconds. It's like 25 seconds left. 20. Jokic stands at midcourt. Time just ticks away. Pop's motioning. He went out onto the court. Went on the court. I'm not sure what he was motioning. I always thought the foul was you cross your arms is the foul thing. Or just like you grab your arm, like you're jerking your arm off, or do that's something. also the one, two, three kid. He was isn't just it, gesturing, the like the he was telling guys to run up, but you couldn't tell what he was doing. Um, and then he kind of stopped, and then just all this time clicks off, and then they miss right at the shot clock, and DeRozan gets the rebound, no timeout, and the game just ends. It was absolutely one of the most appalling things I've ever seen for a team season end. And then after the game, of course, because everybody loves Pop, it was like, well, it wasn't Pop's fault. It was the player's fault. Well, he didn't do it. He was he was telling them to call a timeout. It's like they would have had a better chance of winning that game if Pop had actually picked the chair up 
and done a Bobby Knight throw of the chair onto the court and gotten a double technical? Because at least it would have stopped the clock. <laughs> Honestly, that would have been a better move than just gesturing kind of wildly, but not really. And it's like all the players can hear him. It's like, why aren't your fucking players looking at you? You're the coach. Why don't you practice this stuff? You're down four with 28 seconds left. You you don't practice game situations? Why don't you call timeout when you get the ball? I, I thought that was absolutely unconscionable. And here's the funny thing. They lose game six, 2013 finals, up five with 28 seconds left. So he knows you can come back from this. They're down four. Foul somebody. Guy misses one, you're down five. You make a three, you're down two. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? I thought that was insane. Yeah, especially from him because... Even though his act is so tired and he is uh he's the unfunny golfer who just wins a tournament. He's no, he's Bill Murray at Pebble Beach. It was done about ten years ago, the act. Yeah, like, I, I get he's, it. I he's get the, the best act. coach. He's the best coach. It's Great not even it's, it's not even I don't want to say it's not even close. Unbelievable wine collection. Incredible palette. <laughs> but he he thinks it's hilarious and it never is. And it it drives me nuts. But I separate the two because he's awesome. And anyone that I've ever talked to that's been through that system, they're like, Phenomenal Dude, coach. Everybody what loves they him. do, the development. The, Thumbs up the, for pop. The us against them mentality. It's all awesome. One of the four best but, NBA coaches ever. But he fucked up the end of that game. He did. And it he wasn't. Did, but you can't blame you, his players you only. You okay. can't. But somebody like LaMarcus has been around. DeRozan has been around. You guys, although DeRozan didn't get that far in the playoffs. But he's... It's the first round, though. He should have been comfortable. <laughs> I what? How can none of you guys know? How can none of you guys know game, clock, and situation? It reminded me of the plucky, well, the 12 seed always beats the five, but like the double-digit seed in the NCAA tournament that's hanging with the big boy the whole time, and their coach has like been there 30 years. He's from backwoods, wherever the fuck, and this is like going to be a shining moment. And then he starts running four corners with eight minutes left up four. And they're just pissing the game away possession yeah. by possession. And then late at the end, because to me, NCAA tournament, I'm fouling kids and I'm fouling them early because kids are going to screw it up. It's just what it is. And it just felt like this. I don't want to use Belmont as an example, so I'm not going to use Belmont. But it felt like that. It felt like, wait a minute, have you guys not? And it's the most been here before coach. But it's not all on pop. Like, even though I would actually I don't want to beat up on pop the coach because i think he's awesome i some one of those players has to at some point go wait a minute what the fuck are we doing somebody needs to teach pop the sign language for foul because i thought standing on the court yelling foul at one point was, he, was good he was enough, just but. waving his arms throw a chair on the court seriously <laughs> You're watching your season tick away. It did feel a little bit like, hey, we're going to lose this one. Jesus. Hey, by the way, do we feel better about our... Okay, you had one last thing on that? Well, six years ago, he took Duncan out twice. Miami hit two threes and saved their season in game six of the 2013 finals. And everybody raced to defend him there too. It's possible to be a great coach who can also royally fuck up in a big game. he's done it for 20 years. Yeah. Um, hey, Belichick went for it in his own 30 against Belichick the Colts. Belichick had a couple bad ones. You probably like that, though. Let Derek Fisher get that crazy shot off in 04. He's had some bad ones. I hated that uh, shot. The 06 foul by Manu, not Pop's fault. But here's the point. I thought it was terrible. And I think that to me, that is like, if your guys aren't looking over at you to know what to do down four with 28 seconds left and they're ignoring you, even if you're waving your arms... 
I, to me, it looked like he was waving them to go up and like press them or something. Now I think you're making too big of a deal out of it. Foul. You're down four. How am I making a big I think deal it was out of a, it? I think it was it's a, their whole season on the line. It was a line. fuck up. It was a really bad one. It's embarrassing. And it, weird shit happens in sports sometimes. Also, and, and a player, one of the five guys that have been out there and well, in the series, well, it's a, a seven-game series. Like one of you guys can't figure out to go up there and foul this guy Can we out. go a little it's, deeper with the Spurs? This is the only team in the league that still takes a shitload of long twos and doesn't try to offensive rebound. I mean, they play like we used to play wow, in 1983. You're, you're this. Is, this sounds like it's deeper. Uh, I think I. I think Pop didn't do a great job this year. Windows closed, huh? They have Lamarcus Aldridge <laughs> and Demar Derozan on their team. I'm not. I'm not arguing about. They have two. Like, I'm not the telling top, you the Spurs have some magical. Two runner. of the top 35 guys in the league. Like they should be an above 500 team. Yeah, I thought. They looked in a game disastrous seven. at one point this season, and then they came back and they finished incredibly strong. They're in a game seven against a Denver team that only had two guys show up and was dying to give that game away. Dying to. Dying. That game sucked. They were like, what else can we do? Should we just throw you the ball? Should we put the ball yeah. in our own basket? Literally dying to give the ball away. And they had DeRozan and Aldridge, who have been in a combined probably, what, 80 playoff games? 90 playoff games? And they couldn't even get to 90 points? Like, I... I just I didn't I don't understand why the Spurs are pretending that the whole revolution is not happening. They're just like fuck it. Okay, but what would the revolution do with two guys that have lived on long twos, Aldridge and DeRozan? I would just have gone to Aldridge in that game against Jokic. I to me he's got to have twenty five shots. Do you imagine game. DeRozan and and Lamarcus sitting around on a Thursday night watching a Houston TNT game? And they're just on the couch being like, what the, f that's so far. Whoa. That was like 27 <laughs> feet. No, I don't, I, I What's thought, that line? Aldridge should have been their biggest advantage in that game though. Yeah. I, He's I, been in a bunch of playoff games. He's a really good low post uh, or kind of what, what do we call him? Mid post score? Yeah. He's uh, like when he gets it going, it's, you, there's nothing you can do with it because it's The problem touch. was, yeah. so we're not sending Derek White to the Hall of Fame, by the no, way. No, Derek White had a, had a 36 point game. It was a market He's the correction. next Tony Parker. He was off. He wasn't on, he wouldn't even put him out in the game to close that game, by the way, in game seven. He was like, we're done. I think he was 0 for 7, maybe. He, no, um, he, he was 0 for 7. He was 0 for 7. Okay. So, you know, Derek White had 28 in the first half of that other game. And you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And here, first of all, Derek White is, miles through what people thought he would be um, as a player. Like, he's he's been really good. They do a great job with their guards all the time. He's been, considering he should have been, like, an, a 12th man. He's yeah. been a vast improvement. But, but he's still Derek Wright. Yeah, I mean, that's just kind of the way it's supposed to be. I mean, Jamal Murray game, you know, the, the whole thing is like, okay, well, what's Jamal Murray going to give you? And he had these stretches where he was horrible, but he closed game two well. He was awesome. Can I ask and then you he a Jamal Murray question? He was great, by the way, in game seven with those floaters. So just, you know, it's worth bringing up for a guy that young on certain games. Because if they don't get anything out of Jamal Murray, Portland's going to smoke them. But if I they think get Portland's really, going to smoke them but anyway. But if they get really good Jamal Murray, they can play with them. I tweeted before the game, I thought he was going to even have 37 points or six. That's about right. But he had like 23. He was actually like dead center. Can I ask you a question about the Nuggets? Why is I don't there, know if I can answer it. Why is their go-to play a high screen with Jokic and Murray that ends up with Murray getting this shot from like 19 feet to the right of the foul line where he's falling away from the basket and it doesn't even seem like he thinks he can make it. He has a lot of drives where he's like, this isn't going to work. But why Why is that their play? Run that play in a different part of the court. 
if I showed you the pages of notes with questions that I had about these two teams watching this series, it was a bad series where I go, I, I didn't like it where I would go like, Hey, is this the problem? So you like, you're watching game one. And then I started with this Jokic theory where I'm going, I wonder if in the playoffs, this becomes easier to defend because you have so many guys waiting for your seven foot center to throw in an entry pass to all these other guys. And it's usually only Murray Millsap. I thought was actually, despite what the stats will tell you, was like one of those guys where if you watch game seven, he was he a little was, glue guyish. Yeah, he was a he was a glue guyish, bad bad stat guyish. Can I give you a little San Antonio on this? Because when this series started, I didn't really know what to make of it. Because I, I really thought I charged ahead with my pitchfork, ready for, to like burn down the the last couple years of pop, and you just weren't there with me. I'm not telling you that his system is right, but I'm telling for, for for the fun of it because. I was trying I to take zig. this podcast serious. What I was trying to do is I was trying to zig. I thought you'd be with me. The zig was sitting there. I grabbed it. I think there's a, a, the point where it's like, you know, in the moment, people want to write the second thing that just happened on somebody's tombstone. And I don't think it's going to be not calling or excuse me, not how having a foul used there. Yeah, he's one of the spot. four best NBA coaches of all that time. That feels low to me. That series was embarrassing. Okay. They're not that good. And I actually don't know if Denver's that good. So our. Oh, no. Right. I know Denver's not that good. They're <laughs> a two seed is... that barely beat a team that doesn't shoot threes, doesn't offensive rebound, and had below average point guards. And what was and they our, had game seven at home? Our playoff rule with the with the teams, like okay, let's look at some road records here, and those are the two teams with the bad road records. So I didn't really know what to make of it. I figured Denver would win, and they won. So I feel like the pre series analysis is on point. Can I point out something historic that you may want to put in the paperback? Yeah. Did you guys already go paperback? Probably, huh? Yeah, well, 10 books, years ago, we can do another out, one books, now. Book's been out for a while. Can I write the forward? Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like a solid endorsement. The Spurs have had so many weird game ones in playoff series based on how the series actually ended up going. Oh, I like this, this. year, they win that close game against Denver, but we're like, oh, here we go. Spurs again. They lose in seven. That's not even the weirdest one. 2017, second round, game one. They lost by 27 to Houston, and you're like, it's over. Houston's just going to spread them out. They got no answer for Harden. They won four of the next five. 2016, second round against Oklahoma City. They won by uh, 32 points. Yeah. They lost four of the next five. Like, ah, oh, the Thunder can't hang with them. And then the Thunder went on. They could have won the whole thing. 2014, they had a, this isn't a bad game one. They won seven games with Dallas in a one-eight matchup. Wasn't like Vince Carter hit a couple shots in that series. Yeah, and then they ended up winning the finals in five games, and they smashed Miami in the rematch. They went that was seven like during games. that Dallas series. We thought, oh my God, they they the 2013 finals broke them. Right, they're gonna lose to Dallas. They went seven games with Dallas, and then in 2012, are we really the, gonna read the entire playoff history? No, this is it. What last one? Oh, I'm sorry. Do you not like all this research that I wanted to list to you? <laughs> Western Conference Finals versus Oklahoma City. They won game one and two. And you're like, you know what? Oklahoma City, no shooting, no depth. Thunder won the next four games. Well, you left out the iconic one from last decade. The Stefan Marbury's greatest playoff moment. The, the Suns beat them in San Antonio. Game oh, one, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought and OT was- had like, he hit like a, a game winner, I think. I thought you were That's talking about That's a good ESPN classic game. When Barkley went up to Marbury and was like, you guys are next. <laughs> Did that I, happen? Yeah, it was in the best Oh, with of five. him and KG. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, Pop, Pop's a top four coach. And I think 
Who are the other three? Yeah, I mean, you've only referenced well, here, it 10 here, times. Here's my favorite pop. Well, Arback, Phil Jackson. Lenny Wilkins. Um, I forget who the fourth one is. Maybe there's only three. Pat Riley. Fair. But um, Brad Stevens is five. I think Popovich winning Stevens is four and a half. <laughs> um, Popovich winning the 2014 title was one of the great coaching achievements of our lifetime. Because that team was broken and he rebuilt them and and was able to somehow get them past their version of Game 6, 1986 World Series kind of level loss. And and they regrouped and won the title the next year, which is fucking hard. Teams don't I'm surprised come back you would that. use that as a comp, and I'm not a, saying if you went to that comp just because of the Boston thing, but Game 6 and 86 was 10 times more devastating. Well, but that, but that, that was, had the whole fan base part yeah. of it. Yeah. Game six, 2013 was the most devastating playoff loss ever. By any team. In my opinion. Unless you went bird steals the ball. But the stakes were higher because they're about to win the title. They're about to win. And they don't. It's never happened before. It's the closest anyone's ever come. There's so many amazing things that happen. That would be a good rewatchables. Oh my God. All the little stuff like the Ginobili missed three or the Ginobili missed free throws. I wrote a call about a year later. I laid out everything. They in get traffic. The, the first three LeBron misses, four Spurs touch it before Miami guy. Four guys are going for the rebound and they all like somehow don't get it. Wade tips it out of there. It's, it's amazing. That's why if I wrote a book about the basketball history, I'd be like, well, could have gone either way. Chapter one. <laughs> could have gone either way by Ryan Rosillo. <laughs> uh, I I think what bothers me is, is, and the only reason I ratcheted up for this, which was partly for sport, we're not allowed to criticize pop for some reason. I feel like everybody should always be allowed to be criticized, no matter how much they've done. I just don't know it, how deep you want to go on this is my I point. I want to it's, move on. It's like, I go, you're right. It was wrong. It was collectively a fuck up in an unbelievable moment. But I don't know that any of us are going to remember that in a year. You will. Well, we'll remember it if he retires and Bill Self becomes the next Spurs coach. And that happens the next like six weeks. Whew. There you go. There's the one that needs to be taken out of. Well, that's not even, you can't even take that out of context. Is that your call right now? That's not my call. Uh, I don't know. I'm just saying a scenario. That was pretty specific. It's scenario. It's possible. It's just. Imagine so, if they had a deal for self. You could was, be the Spurs coach. Mm, more of a front office guy. But like, say Greg Popovich retired, I don't know, a couple weeks from now, and Bill Self became the new coach. Something crazy like that. What and if that they was had his a last deal? Game. What if they had that like would a, be weird? A wink, wink deal, and then Pop calls self is like, "Hey, it I worked, hate to do this, this is off. I need one more yeah, year. Yeah, there's no fucking way that's my last game ever. But I hope it's not. I would come back if I were if I told everybody I was retiring and that was the last play of my career. I'm coming back for another year. I think Bill Self is a name to watch in NBA coaching circles right now because. The house is on fire, and, and when the house is on fire, people jump out windows and run. All right, you get my drift. I'm paying, I'm paying attention. Yeah. Okay. Now, now I'm going to be on some Kansas blog. Oh yeah, we had New Zealand. The entire place freaked out after your Stephen Adams thing. Like, hey, his contract. All you said was Stephen Adams' contract's a lot. I don't know. Could you flip him for something? It led the well, news said, down there. <laughs> I was getting I Google alerts all week, I and love I'm like, the people why in New Zealand? Yeah, I love it down there. I want to yeah, go. We love you, New Zealand. All I was saying was they have no moves. They're, the the team is the team for the next couple of years. This podcast has got some juice. Well, this you know, 
Bill Self, who knows? He might it be the Spurs coach. It led <laughs> TV news in New Zealand. I wish I could do a good accent. Sports scribe, Bill Simmons. <laughs> this wanker back east. We're doing some sort of British thing. It really, American. it really did lead the news, though. No, they this isn't a Steve joke. Ad- yeah, they love Stephen Adams in New Zealand. Uh, email from Eric Meyer. He says Dame Lillard is the Andy Roddick to Steph Curry's Roger Federer. If they switch places five years ago, would the Warriors run have been any different? Would the Blazers have excelled any more if they had Dame? I don't agree with that. But I do think it's interesting when somebody's in the league and there's a better version of that person and we end up thinking a little bit lesser of the second person than we probably should. Kind of like the Frazier Muhammad Ali thing. Well, it's like the Drexler Michael Jordan thing. Drexler was really good. Yeah. And then they went head to head and Jordan destroyed him. And then they're in dream team. And he was like, Jordan's lackey on the dream team. And Jordan was just killing him in practice. And Drexler's career was never the same. But Clyde Drexler was still really good. Drexler actually He's benefited. Like one of the best 50 players ever. He benefited from us not knowing what the hell was going on. <laughs> right. Because you would hear about this dude. Yeah. And you're like, my God, there's this Jordan guy that plays for like, he's a Jordan, but he's in the Western Conference. They played like, like you just didn't see it. And so I remember being a little kid going, oh man, he's, and then, you know, you get older and you watch, but like, could he not dribble with his other hand? <laughs> like, was he got thumbs? He was going to be, well, well, he, he was, was a, awesome. He was awesome. But I mean, the, well, he, there's, there's a big gap between Jordan and then how many names you have to get to, to get to Drexler. He uh, was a fantasy basketball god, Clyde Drexler. If you played fantasy basketball, you knew he was. Back to the Dame Lillard thing. So he's on the playoffs so far, I think. Although Durant is now trying to grab the, the title to the playoffs, the lease. Yeah, the Lillard thing when he hit that shot for about 24 hours. Lillard first hours round, owned the first was, round. Yeah, but what was going on for those 24 hours was, you know. But you always bring this up. Like, when you bring up the Lillard all-NBA voting the last few years, Yeah, this is not, like, if, if you're doing the, man, people don't talk enough about Lillard, that means that you may not be paying attention. Yeah. So he's going to make second team All-NBA this year. He was the third guard mentioned in every conversation behind, yeah, behind Curry Yeah, he's going to be Hart. second team, last year's first team. He made a second team in two thirds previously. I looked it up. He's last four years. He's 26, seven and five. He's definitely the best, second best three point shooting guard behind um, point guard behind Curry. I looked it up. I couldn't really come up with an alternative. He's either the fourth or the fifth best guard this decade. So it's Curry Harden. I think Chris Paul's third. And then it's Dame or Russ, depending on what you care about. Yeah, and, and the Paul thing is just based on Chris Paul's had a better decade than Dame Lillard did. I mean, I, no, I know, but he's yeah. he's obviously they're trending in two completely different directions. Yeah, I'm just talking time. this decade. Yeah, yep, decades over. But that's right, it is. It went fast. It's shocking that Lillard was one of the best five guards because he's only been in the league seven years. They end up getting him because they somehow convinced Billy King that Gerald Wallace is worth a top three protected first round pick. They only liked uh, three guys in that draft. It was all-time egregious. That was the line. Yeah. When they made the trade, they're like, we only like three guys in this draft anyway. So but, and then he doubled down on it later. He's like, look, we studied the draft. There are only three guys we liked. It's like, it's February. We haven't even had March Madness yet. I remember the what first- What are you talking about? The first scout I talked to was a Western Conference scout who went to go see Lillard. And this team thought they had him. They're picking around. Uh, I don't want to necessarily say, but it was still in the lottery, but a little bit later. And- uh 
he was like, you got to see this Dame Lillard, man. He's like, he's actually, he's probably Damien then. He's like, you got to see Lillard. Like, have you seen him? I'm like, no, I've, you know, I've, he's on the radar. I'll, I'll, you know, check him out. He goes, this is, this is, this kid, like, he's going to be able to go. He's like, you know, I don't, he's like, nobody else has really been up there or whatever. And then the next time I talked to him, like I, at that point watched him and paid more attention. And then he's like, well, we're not getting him. It's like he goes half the half the league was there. I and mean, again, there's no by the time June rolls around, there's no freaking secrets with these kinds of guys. But because it's Weber State, you're thinking, is there a chance we can get this guy? We what? Where is Weber State? Big Sky, isn't it? Big Sky Conference is it? But what's what state is it in? Weber. It's it's in the state of Weber. Where's Weber? <laughs> it's uh, Ogden, Utah. I've been there. Ogden, Utah? Yeah. I've been to Ogden. Um, I remember one time I went to a Dirks Bentley concert in Madison Square Garden and then had to fly directly to Utah. And from Salt Lake to get to Provo, I got on a shuttle bus. And if you want to ask if I was hungover after a Dirks Bentley concert and then flying across the country the next morning, the answer would be yes. And... Uh, I was on a bus with a bunch of people getting dropped off at different uh, churches on that shuttle. And that was not, that was not the best fit for me that day. You ever Um, been to Provo? You'd like it there. I'm going to do a quick episode of the reread wills for you. Okay. This is my 2012 NBA draft diary. I'm in, and it's a diary. I'm in, I'm keeping a diary of watching this with Jacoby and House. So at 8.05, I wrote questions asked in my living room after Portland's pick. <laughs> what conference is Damian Lillard from again? Has any top 10 pick ever had more highlights that happen against white people? Is it Weber or Weber? Has anyone ever picked a backup point guard this high? Did they just pick Jared Bayless again or am I crazy? Are these highlights from Division One games? <laughs> Answers. Big Sky, no. It's Weber. Yes, Johnny Flynn in 2009. It's unclear. And yes. Um, and then I went on to make fun of the pick for a couple more pairs. That's pretty heroic of you to do yeah. that rereadable. Hey, listen, man. Draft Diary, I'm not always going to bat 100%. I've had some big hits. I've had some big misses. Let's uh, take a quick break. Uh, we got a lot more to come here. Let's talk about ZipRecruiter. Let's talk about the difference between working hard and working smart. Greg Popovich, during the last 30 seconds of that game, last 25 seconds, working hard on the sidelines, waving his hand. I don't know if he was working smart. He's working hard. But you want to work smart. That's what really matters. Zip recruiters, technology, and tools make hiring more efficient and effective. Guess what? It's the smartest way to hire. Zip recruiters, powerful technology. Scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. The tech does not stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like and invites more to apply. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. My listeners can try it for free. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter.com. ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. Can we just rip through the series as fast as possible? Because I want to get to uh, a couple emails and I want to get to Game of Thrones. Whatever you need to do. We're going to look at the odds for the playoffs. When I look at my watch, it's not boredom. I just, I'm just looking. Well, you got to drive. I don't want you to get, I don't want to hit somebody on the way home. Um, At this time of night, we're practically neighbors. 
<laughs> you know, the, the, when I when I leave here, I'm like, I'm surprised we don't hang out more often. And then I look at, I go, oh, that's why. Yeah. By the way, you in for Willie Nelson next week? No. I don't want to go either, but we're going. Series lines. Denver minus 140 over Portland. Portland's plus Portland. I would take Portland. Toronto is minus 455 over Philly. Milwaukee is down to minus 129 against the Celts. Rockets are now plus 325, which is ridiculous. I think Portland should be favored in that series, even though they don't have home court. From what we saw from the Nuggets in that game seven, two guys plus Millsap, as you said, is a glue guy. But if, if they're so dependent on Murray being the second guy and there's just nobody else if he's not. And really the first guy to look at the hoop and crunch time possessions. Jokic got better at taking shots, but you know, it's still it, not his game. Like it's it's just he doesn't want to take all those shots. So Portland, and this happens sometime in the playoffs, because like there was that year going back 30 years almost, 1990, KJ, Jeff Hornacek, Phoenix made the Western Finals, and that was ba- it was basically those two guys and Tom Chambers. It was like they're not going to make the Western Finals. Tim Perry the- on that team? Yeah, it was it was just a hodgepodge team, but sometimes it happens. We knew heading into the playoffs, somebody weird was going to make the Western Finals. It was like the Celtics against the Nets in 02. Yeah, true. true. Like that was, what? They're, like they're in the Eastern Conference Finals? I think the difference with Portland making it this time around is the way, if Lillard can keep this going, he's at least somebody at the end of games, and I think Kyrie is like this too, and I think Kawhi is like this, and it goes back to what we talked about last week, about the guys you really, the bread your butter, butter your bread guys. Either way. Butter, bread, butter, butter, bread. It's 11 o'clock now at night. I'm tired. Um, but he, at least, if it's Golden State and they're banged up and they've just come out of this series and it's a little toe-to-toe action with Durant, he can actually go toe-to-toe. And I think that's the difference. When we have these wonky teams that make the conference finals, the difference this time around is this guy's really good. And this guy will not be afraid. He'll think he's be- the best guy on the court, even if he's not necessarily the best guy on the court. I think Kyrie's like this too. The longer the Milwaukee-Boston series goes, the worse it is for Milwaukee because we're going to see in a game seven when it gets super tight and it really comes down to like two or three guys on each side and Kyrie will be ready for that. And I want to know who like the third guy on Milwaukee is in that situation. Well, it's not Eric Bledsoe. My God. I mean, he. I made a joke on Twitter. I was like, well, we'll see what they look like when they get him back for game two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. That was, that was good. That was my kind of humor. Yeah, I know. That was, that was, yeah, that I was, was like, good. hey, we'll see Bill later today. Well, maybe, him and, maybe him and Lopez were two for 10. If your second option, like Middleton's the second option, but so if we're doing this now, we're looking at the series. I still, after the Pacers thing, I didn't know. I know that. I still don't know. Here's the thing, though. The Celtics... Like this is the part where the Kyrie, are they better without Kyrie thing looks really stupid. I agree. Because he's great for the way Milwaukee plays defense. Now the free the Celtics don't take free throws anyway. Yeah. And Kyrie, as much as everybody hates the long two, I think I want him taking long twos as much as any player in the league. I'm I'm sure there's numbers that are gonna tell me there's a couple guys ahead of him. He's just a great shot maker in those spots. Like it's comfortable for him. You know, that's why I always think shooting's really funny in that. You know, certain guys will hit decent numbers on corner threes or they'll they'll find some things, but you can see there's no there's no gauging. Like great shooters know kind of distance and 
angle and like I just all the mechanics I have to take something off put a little something more on it with my legs extend it out I can shoot it in different ways like Dirk could always do that and yeah. Kyrie has that I can be a little off balance I can be going side to side I can step back on you I can go in I can I can pick it up right off the dribble I can you know I can do a lot of awkward different things and that's where Kyrie's offensive ability here is is like that's where you look at him and go okay this is somebody and look we all know how especially was well there's the hold on, there's one other piece of that he doesn't care if he's on the road or at home. And not I think there's all. only yeah. a few guys like that. Not at all. Now, you know, we're doing... Probably least, enjoys being on the road. Yeah, right. Who knows? I mean... He's like, this is cool. Yeah. I like shutting these this crowd up. And Horford's been in like <laughs> over 100 playoff games at this point. You know? And Horford was the MVP. I, you know, I know the, the final numbers you could argue. No, what Horford did in game one... When he plays one, like that, it's very hard to beat them. Yeah. And, I, you know, for Horford haters... It's understandable. Like when you pay a guy that much money and he comes in, you're like, okay, this is going to be awesome. We get to throw. Like whenever you get that kind of money, especially in a place like Boston where the pressure is, is as much as any NBA city, you think, well, wait a minute, isn't this guy supposed to get his buckets at the end of close games? You're like, well, that's not really what he does. So everybody kind of knows his deal now. But the little things that he's doing, at least in game one, and what he'll be doing throughout the entire series against Giannis is incredible. And this is the start of the Brad Stevens stuff again. Because you didn't think, okay, against Budenholzer, he's going to be like out coat or he, he'll, um, He'll be totally out coaching this guy, but I, I was, I was so impressed with the discipline defensively of what Boston was asked to do yeah. with Giannis and how they kind of change up their their double teams. And there's a second, like it's not just hey, you only double team in this situation. Like that's an incredibly smart team to be able to do some of this different stuff they do defensively. And then any of the Giannis in transition wall building stuff that they do. There was a play um, in the first half where Giannis was bringing it down along the right side in transition and Connaughton went to the three-point corner and Jalen left him there and came up to be like a third guy in that wall at the free throw line and Giannis got it to him and Connaughton clanks it and then the other offensive possessions are hey I'm stuck Giannis I'm stuck all right Brooke Lopez you take a tough weird three like if that's what you're gonna do like, I thought Milwaukee had some defensive issues that surprised me for the number one defensive team. But offensively, you knew what Boston was going to try to do against Giannis. We've already seen this well, before. Wait a second. It, it, that, was, that was the stunning part of this. They didn't seem to feel like nobody else. Year. Right. It didn't feel this, like anybody else was prepared. There was no surprise in the game plan. And it was like Milwaukee was completely flummoxed by it. I thought that was really weird. Really weird. And other than that stretch where Miritich hit a crazy three, Middleton had that and one where he got caught in the air and still hit it. And then Middleton hit kind of a slower in transition pull up three from deep because Jalen was like, you know, damn, I got to contest you out there. That was that 15 0 run that made it 40 40. But and other they than that, the, they missed a bunch of Celts, missed a bunch of jump shots during that, too. Early, too, I thought yeah. Boston, I'm like, man, they could have a crazy lead in this game. I loved was, all their looks. Giannis was uh, four for 16 from two. I mean, this year he shot like, I think over 65% or something on two pointers with some crazy stat. So, I mean, that they, was a bad, it was from a gameplay. Hey, here's what we're going to run. Here's what you're going to run. Milwaukee has to be more ready with the other scores to go. You, you Some of you guys are going to have to burn them on this. This, help. Is, this goes back to the Denver thing, though. You can play that way during the season. And it's great and it makes sense and you're shooting threes and the math makes sense, all that stuff. But now when you get here and you're on Sunday ABC and it's like, all right, Pat Connaughton, knock yourself out. <laughs> Go ahead. We'll give you like four of those. If you make them, we'll start guarding you, but let's see it. 
He was I, uh, two of ten, one of seven from three. Yeah, and uh, I could man, I look back at that. Pat Connaughton had ten shots in twenty four minutes. The weird thing for me is Ilyasova. Why? I, I'm just not a fan. I I actually thought we'd see DJ Wilson this series because I think he's good, but uh, yeah, I mean. I thought the Celts were going to lose in five. I really did. I thought the Bucks. I thought this was going to be like just a Giannis unleashes Holy Hell series. But I also thought if they can just keep it going and creep closer to do or die games and a do or die game six, do or die game seven, I really think it favors Boston because you look at this Milwaukee lineup and even Brooke Lopez hasn't been in big games. What's the biggest game Brooke Lopez has ever been in? Like he, he was terrible. Like today. round one with the Nets and Joe Johnson, but one year against the Bulls. Like it, these guys haven't been in big games. Even Giannis hasn't been in that many big games. So I think that favors Boston. I thought what Pierce said was crazy. I know, I know they want him to say crazy stuff on on TV that, to say the series is over, Boston is going to win. That's nuts because Boston can go cold any game. Boston's weirdly not as effective at home as you, as they were last year, certainly. Um, I just think this, this series is going to ebb and flow. Giannis will have a game where he has like 47 and just destroys them. And it's going to happen. I don't know if it'll be game two or when, but I'm with you in that Giannis. I mean, he's just too good that he's not going to have some absurd game, but you can't do this by yourself, especially the deeper you go here. And I was kind of, you know, waiting to see what Boston was going to look like here against a much better team because I just didn't think the Pacers were that good. It appears that everybody's a lot happier than the monthly soap opera that was this team. Well, that's, I think a, you're that, more- that's another thing is people are like, yeah, this is, we, 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 oh, now it's all good. What, what, what do you got to say now? And it's like, look, I'm, we're just talking about stuff as it happens in the moment. The Celtics team was profoundly unhappy all year. Which they and only- usually that's an indicator right. that the playoffs are going to be unhappy. They've somehow fixed it. I think it's great, but it doesn't change the fact that they were really, really dangerously unhappy there for four to five months. In an unprecedented way, they all admitted it. Yeah. They talked about it publicly over and over again. The coach admitted it. The star player apologized to the team multiple times. And told us about it. Yeah. And so I was a dick. (laughs) I'm trying to change my behavior. So So, apparently it's good now. And I'm not saying it because of the game. Wonderful. Just. You know, being back home, I'd heard things are things are better. Everybody feels better about the whole thing. It's like, okay, now it's playoff time. You know, Kyrie. Let's put it behind us. Yeah, one of the theories that, you know, this is where he's ready to shine. I think from a basketball matchup stuff, the stuff that Boston wants to do in this, everything went according to plan in game one. Like, so if you just looked at game one, you go, wait a minute, Milwaukee's in real trouble. Well, here. here's here's but what else. Went I'm in. not ready to do that because I've also like it was always hard for me to buy into this Boston team. Is this the best I felt about them all year? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't I'm not going to sit here and write off the number one seed with, you know, the MVP, perhaps in Giannis, even but you though, know what else you know, went in their favor. Brogdon. Yeah, because he's that thing's turning into the KG injury of 09. Where if just, Brogdon's going to miss this series, I actually do think Boston will probably uh, either take it to seven or win because he he has always hurt them. He allows them to go small and do all these different things with their lineup. That can be a problem for Boston potentially. But uh, two, just two things to note, just as we go along with with Boston. Look playoffs. at these numbers wanna... for starters, though. I'm sorry, just Brook Lopez, 26 minutes, one of five. Bledsoe, 25 minutes, one of five. Like to think that he only played 25 minutes in this. Granted, it got kind of blowout. And they needed him to play like 45. Right, Sterling Brown, 22 minutes, one of seven. 
And then um, there's one other bad one here. I forget where it is. Yeah, Ilyasova. He ended up, well, he's 0 for Wait, 5 two, from 3. Wait, two Boston notes. Brown has been playing really well for four months now. And, and I love the way he did it, too. He just said, enough of this shit. I'm just going to be aggressive whenever I can. Who Not do you think, out of control aggressive, though. If you were a GM, who would you value as a trade asset more, Brown or Tatum? Tatum still. Uh, the other thing is Hayward once again had a really nice game. What I liked about the game here, he only took eight shots. I still feel like he had an impact. He's just really comfortable now. And he's playing with a certain pace and speed and he mixes it up and his slashing kick games back. I, he just seems really confident again. He really does seem like Utah Hayward again. I'm not ready to go there, but. Well, not ready to go like him being 13 mile NBA, but he. Yeah. His style, the way he's playing, is the way he played in Utah. Right. Absolutely. I mean, he was taking 20 shots a game in Utah. He took eight in this game. Um, Philly, Toronto. I think Kawhi is... is he's just such, such a bad matchup for Philly on both sides. He eliminates the best thing that they have going for their team other than Embiid, which is like the size on the perimeter and their ability to overpower the wings and all that stuff. And then, you know, he can basically, oh, oh, that guy's hot? All right, I'll take him out. Whoever kind of starts to catch fire on Philly, he can just take him over for a couple of possessions. This is going to be the Kawhi series. I really feel that way. I felt far more confident picking Toronto in this one than I did the the Milwaukee Boston one. I I just feel like Toronto is so easy to know exactly what they are, when it looks right, how it goes. You add in the fact that Siakam is this insane scorer and you're like, "Oh, so they just added another guy that can get 30 in multiple playoff games along with Kawhi who you know, I I don't think it should be this reminder of like, "Hey man, that Kawhi guy's good" because when he came onto the scene in those finals, it was this this coming out party. We were like, oh my God, like he's he's like in charge of this whole thing. He's actually LeBron one of the Wade. better playoff performers we've had in the last 25 years, like right. just statistically. Yeah, so then you look at Philly being lost against him and his his finishing has never been as flashy as those other guys. I remember talking to Windhorst about this when I was in studio with him at ESPN once. And do you remember like when LeBron, and I think maybe even Durant at one point had gotten caught up in this, where they were talking about like Kawhi's ascendance of like, you know, he's kind of like in that group with you guys. And they were both, and I don't want to be screwing this up. I know at least it was definitely one, but I feel like Durant could cover this too. But it was almost this dismissive, like, wait a minute, you think he's at our level? Yeah. And it was other players that are the clear tier one guys feeling like it was disrespectful to assume that he was at that level and the thing is he just he has been and he has been for a long time minus the year that he was gone but this is really kind of what he should be or what he's shown us in the past like this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody it was just i think easy to kind of forget where he was for a bit because well, of the surprise is because he missed last year he they were so careful with him this year and he missed so many games because the load management all that stuff that uh I don't know. I just never thought we would see like him kick ass for two straight months, which I, we seem like we're in the process of watching. But he still was when he was playing, despite all the games that he took off this year, which I don't know if it was load management or, I hey, whatever. Careful. No, I think they asked Kawhi. They said, what do you want to do? And we are going to do whatever you want because we're not going to give you any reasons for you to want to leave here other than maybe he'll leave. 
So they were going to do if the guy wanted to play 12 games, he could have played 12 games this year. But he this I, I look, I, I watched that game and I watched all of his scoring. Some of the stuff he was doing in Orlando at the end of that series. And I'm not saying that's some great series because it's the magic. No, but he, he, he doubted. He, it up, he was doing stuff in that series where you're like, oh, yeah. my, like, what are you supposed to do with this guy? But it's never as impressive as Durant. Not saying it's not as good. It just it doesn't have this like wow factor all the time that some of the other guys have. And I think it it misplaces him at times, even though if he were healthy the entire three. Like when we were trying to do the top five in the NBA, you know how hard that is to do right now? I know. It's loaded. The one wow thing with with he'll do some stuff defensively that gets wow stuff for me. But one thing that gets a wow for me, not in the traditional sense, but I, I always marvel at it, is the pace that he plays with where no matter what's going on in the game, the situation, the crowd, he 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 has this ability to keep it to what he wants to do at the speed he wants to do it offensively, which is something like I never thought he was going to be that type of guy. Like Durant has the same ability, right? Kyrie has a – he offensively to me can control his surroundings in a way that very few guys can do. And I'm psyched that he's back. I really, I really enjoy watching him. And if 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 we end up with Milwaukee, Toronto, or uh, Boston, Toronto, whatever, I I don't want to write off Philly, but mentally I'm starting to write them off. I I don't I don't see them winning four of six unless somebody gets hurt on Toronto. Having Embiid miss a game in in the first series, I'm like, oh okay. And we've been over the Philly thing a bunch of times, so I don't want to do it all again. Even though let's not do it again. No, I, I don't. But I mean, there are times too where I go, you know, it's it's really funny. Like when Embiid is rolling and everything's great, and it's like, you know, this this look at this team, look at what they could be. But I don't think they understand how much they can piss other people off. And you know, when Embiid makes the three one Warriors joke, and you're looking at Jimmy Butler and Embiid sitting there, and if I were in the Warriors, I'd be like, oh, is that what it looks like to never be out of the second round? You two guys right there, like you're gonna you're gonna make fun of us for losing one of the four finals we were in. And you fucking guys can't get out of the second round. I don't know if Toronto has any of that. I, I mean, honestly, Kawhi, I wonder, like, he seems to be so oblivious to the surroundings at times. Like, I could imagine him going to the locker room afterwards being like, who's that Puerto Rican dude that never sits down at courtside? <laughs> and I just, I, I think it's like the best approach. Like, as you're talking about being in the flow and knowing everything. So it's a great point, but he is, he seems to be so non affected by anything that it's incredibly impressive and maybe the and for all the like concern about not having enough of a brand and the spurs hold me back and all that kind of stuff the whispers you would hear like they feel like his crew thinks he should have a bigger presence and a bigger brand we're like well, they better we, be right right well, well you signed with new balance and you made fun of the fact that you don't have a brand yeah but whatever all that stuff is that that maybe limits his appeal it might be the most perfect approach day-to-day in big state games well and also perfect for toronto which is one of the skies falling franchises that we have in the nba right now the fans are just beaten down mentally and to flip that you need guys who don't even notice that you're feeling that way this is i'm always convinced this is one of the reasons the red sox won in 04 that all these dudes that were just like what do i care that there was a curse i grew up in a really poor part of the dominican republic you think i care about your curse like it was just guys who Bellhorn and, and Bellhorn. A <laughs> uh, couple quick emails. So Jason Z from Wilkes Bear has a Wilkes-Barre. zig for 
Wilkes-Barre has a zig for us. Double A. Dame Lillard's 37-footer, not that impressive. No pressure. The game was tied. If he misses, they go to overtime. They're up 3-1 in the series. Let's see him take and make that shot in a game seven down two. <laughs> that, that can't be real. That's a great zig. That was a real email. If you're the submit right, that submit that video to the first take video feed and you'll be on the show by the end of the week. <laughs> Sam wants to know if you're the Suns right now, do you quietly hope you get the second pick in the lottery so you can take John Morant? No. The yeah. answer is no, you don't. You hope you get Zion. Yeah. Bill from Chicago said <laughs> Do you secretly hope you get Zion? <laughs> Bill from Chicago said, since Ryan's screen debut, you're texting. I had you. Ryan's screen debut, talking about your uh, your therapy session video. Bill from Chicago has been debating with his friends which players we need therapy for. During these conversations, I keep defending Aaron Gordon, and it's gotten to the point where I've convinced myself Aaron Gordon could be better at Draymond's role for the words than Draymond himself. Aaron Gordon is a classic example of the 2005 player that we all wanted on the Suns. Remember that stretch for like yeah. four years, every draft, you'd be like, you know who would be great on? The Suns. I believe Aaron Gordon would be a lot better with the Golden State Warriors. But I mean, how many years that, do you have to- That goes for 100 players. Right, right. I, I think you have to at this point admit that whatever Aaron Gordon was supposed to be or whatever you hoped he was going to be, it's going to fall short of that. H. Wilson says- You're really pissed I sent a text right now. No, I'm not. Yeah. H. I don't Mood care. seems to have changed. You do what you want. H, I had to. H. Wilson says- there's a guy in my gym who comes in wearing sunglasses. I've never seen him work out. We're in gym corner right now. He just stares down girls in the squat rack. For context, my gym is underground in a mall with no windows. There's no reason for shades to ever be worn. Have you ever encountered the creepy dude or have you ever been the creepy dude at the gym? That's this week's gym corner question. The creepy dude. I like this. Yeah. I mean, no one would admit to being the creepy dude. Right. I, I mean, I expected to. Look, I'm a man. Uh, I've, I've, you know, I'd be lying if I said I didn't take a peek every now and then under the bill of a hat. Yeah. But you know, don't, <laughs> don't start doing deadlifts behind a girl in the squat rack. Be like, Hey, you mind if I sit up here? You know, like he, that's, that's, that's too much. And it sounds like this guy's doing the sunglass move. Sunglasses seem downright offensive. Right. There should be, criminal. this is where a manager has to get involved. Yeah. Why are your sunglasses on, sir? Will he say they're service sunglasses? I was in a pizza place, Upper service Crust. Service sunglasses. I Shout like out. I, I yeah. was driving. Actually, excuse me. I wasn't driving. I was walking back to the hotel. Went to a pizza place near my hotel in Boston. Guy brings a dog in. And the guy's behind the counter freaking out. They're like, hey, man, you like you can't have your dog in here. And like you're going to have to get it to go. And they're like, you're going to put. He's like, what? What? Ignored him three times. Definitely had an edge to him. And finds like it's a service dog. And the guy's like, okay, well, all right. I get I get that it's a service dog. And then the guy sat down and ate a slice there while the dog was just freaking out looking at everybody's food. I'm telling you right now, it's a little bit like, like handicap passes. I'm not knocking the entire industry because that would be incredibly insensitive. Okay? Okay. I'm holding but, on for dear life right now. But there's a lot of you fucking people out there that are just a little tired and know somebody at the DMV. <laughs> All right? Because I've been wow. keeping track of it. And I think the same thing with some of these service dogs. Where the people that need it, there wouldn't be a decent-hearted person in the country that would knock that. Good for you. But a lot of you are fucking liars. I would have said this for the emotional the emotional 
service dogs that people bring on airplanes. But it's like a 75-year-old dumb golden retriever who's definitely not providing any service. No, that's actually stressing you out more. Yeah. Yeah. So look, if, if you're going to send an email to Bill and say, I have a service dog and I, no one's, no one's mad at you. The other people- We're mad fuck- at the people yeah, taking advantage yeah. of the system. Right. Those yeah, people, I'm those people you. are fucking up. Like my grandmother was in a wheelchair. Every time we go to a restaurant, somebody be in the spot. And every now and then, you know, it'd be like a dude who was just a little out of shape. <laughs> Kyle and I have to debate whether <laughs> Kyle's barking this. No, because I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to say, oh, well, you don't realize, you know, somebody's going to agita, whatever. I'm not running tests. I'm just telling, like, you know, you know, right now, like there are listeners right now that know they're like, yeah, my cousin's at the DMV. Like I just, I park there for concerts. This is, I'm helping. All right. Uh, quick break and we'll do Game of Thrones. All right. We're going to do Throne Game, but first, uh, let's quickly talk about Binge Mode, which drops every Wednesday night. Mallory Rubin, Jason Concepcion, they break down. Game of Thrones, the way it should be broken down in depth, detail, uh, with passion and a little craziness. Check that out. Subscribe now. Also, talk to Thrones on Twitter every Sunday night right after Game of Thrones ends. Go to at Ringer to watch that and go to theringer.com to watch all of our, or to read all of our Game of Thrones stuff. Uh, we're doing everything possible. God, it's sad, Kyle. Only three episodes left. It's crazy, dude. Can't believe it. So check out all of our Game of Thrones content. Speaking of speaking of uh, podcasts, the rewatchables coming back um, this week with Mean Girls. So check that out. And then on the rewatchables 1999 feed, we are doing Cruel Intentions later this week. You can only find that on Luminary. So check that out. And then check out Channel 33, my daughter's Four Realsies podcast, 50 minutes on teen culture with Liz Kelly and my daughter. I got to say, uh, you're going to learn some stuff. So check that out as well. All right. Let's talk about Game of Thrones. All right. Last thing. Throne game. <laughs> 85 minute episode. Yep. The Battle of uh, Winterfell. Which turned out to be a lot like the movie 311. I kept looking for Gerard Butler. I couldn't find him. When you said that when we were watching it together and you said 311, I'm like, wow, I didn't know you were down with Peanut, Nick Hexum. You mean 300. I meant 300. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like I feel like nephew Why Kyle. Why did I say 311? I, I said whoa. 311. Got the boom, y'all. No? I didn't I know if- I 300. Uh, Why did I say 311? Because you love grassroots. Uh, I was thinking 112. Like, I didn't know what- uh, Kyle, is it on. is it like watching your parents play video games that have never played them before? Sometimes yeah. when we're watching Game of Thrones, a few golden moments, yes, yeah. When you guys are like, "Who's that guy?" There's a lot of Bill and I going, "Who's that guy again?" What's his name? Was that who's the dead guy? Ed. So it was like that movie, uh, three hundred. film. When you said that in the room, it just it, everyone ignored it. I'm like, I thought you were talking to your kids, so I was like, "B, let's Ben listen to three eleven. That's cool." <laughs> I had, a, I had a mutual friend ask me if I wanted to play in 311's men's basketball league. <laughs> I was like, kind of, but where is it? They're like, it's, I think it's in the Palisades. I was like, ah. I was like, I kind of would like to be able to tell my buddies that we listened to them in college and now I'm in 311's men's league, but I'm definitely not going to want to drive to the Palisades two nights a week. Awesome. So, Tim, I'm open. Quickly, uh, 
quickly some highlights. Uh, Melisandre. Yep. The the hottest 450-year-old yeah. lady in the 1300s. How about... Uh, she wait, made that the fire swords happen. How about Gendry's age gap on his on his girls? Has anybody <laughs> slept with like two women that are separated 18 by... 18 and 450? Yeah. Pretty wide berth there. I yeah. think Warren Beatty did that one. Nobody can touch that. Maybe, maybe Warren So Beatty. she made the fire swords happen. It was looking good for the battle. Right. And then it became clear pretty quickly that they had a terrible battle plan. They wiped out the entire Dothraki, sent them sent them up front. Um, I don't want to be that guy, but why did the Dothraki have to go first? Hmm? Tough times for them. Why bring out? Why not bring out the dragons right away? Kind of saving the dragons. It was like it was basically a long two type strategy. I'm just waiting. Like. I'm waiting to go. Um, Night King made a fire move. That nobody saw coming. They put the fire moat around, which you liked. Finally. After after they lost a lot of people. After the dragons came in, killed some. A lot of Dothraki and Grey Worm's crew again. Yeah. Just, Grey Worm's <laughs> more tough times for Grey Worm. He didn't have enough reasons to hate his life. He lost all his friends. So they Melisandre comes in and does the the fire, fire moat. And then the Night King outwits them yet again and says, Well, I'll just have some dead dudes. We'll pile them up. It'll smother the fire, and then we'll go over the dead dudes. And Jon Snow and Daenerys like, oh, shit, we didn't think of that. Should have thought of that one. The dragon's just coming and going, like making threes from the corner. Then we're not seeing the dragon again for 10 minutes. I don't know where the dragons were. That was weird. I had major, major issues with strategy. Uh, I would not call myself a military expert. I would consider myself a military historian. <laughs> right. Now... I don't really know what kind of timelines we're working with here because there's a lot of magic and dragons. But, you know, reading about the Revolutionary War, if there's one thing that's taught us is that column fighting is just outdated. And when you're running columns into the undead, like, what the fuck are you doing? You might as well let yourself on fire. So for them to just stand in front of the castle, there's another thing they could have learned from George Washington is that the armies, and it was really just a collection of militias back then, they gave up New York City. They had some battles in Long Island. There was this Brooklyn thing. And then they went, this is, this whole thing's fucking pointless. Let's just get out of here and go to Philadelphia, New Jersey and hang out for a bit. Because they were like, there's no, we cannot defend New York City with the British Navy. Like, this is absolutely pointless. Yeah. So they bailed. From the very beginning, it didn't really make any sense. Like, Winterfell's been a dump for eight years. And you needed to find a strategic area to fight. And I guess you can't really tell the undead to hold off until the morning. Because back in the Revolutionary War times, they would just take winters off. They'd be like, hey, can we just pick this shit up in the spring? I'd be like, all right, yeah. great. Thank you. Because it's freezing. Yeah. And they start with no landscape advantage. My guys would have been digging the biggest hole you've ever seen around that castle. So that they, if they're going to charge me, you're going down and then you're going to come back up. And if you tell me that doesn't work, well, at least it impedes their progress because it certainly did with the walls at some point. So that was a problem. No massive hole. If you're going to light the moat of of things, the, the dragon glass kind of brackets those things that you're not supposed to run into. You see them all over the place. They were on Normandy as well. You, you put those further out, further perimeter. Yeah. And you light them on fire from the beginning. 
So Melisandre is just lighting the Dothraki swords on fire. They run into something that I guess is just a wall of dead people. It was actually really cool how that was shot. Yeah, that like all that. the fire blades like disappeared and like one dude runs back. He's like, okay, that didn't go well. But why would you wait to light the shit on fire? And the the misuse of the dragons, this this would be like not throwing it to Randy Moss if you were Dante Culpepper. You know? Right. Like you can't let Moss not get looks. If you had Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson in his prime. Absolutely. And you're just like, we're going to run the ball again. So it felt like, I guess the story is that the two dragons, because it felt like a little bit of a never-ending story deal here with these two dragons. And they're like, hey, you know there's a massive battle for mankind going on back there. And you two are like winking at each other. But I guess they were looking for the Night King still. And, you know, there's a bunch of different things. How about Daenerys is just awareness rating as on a madden scale 30s like you 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 land your dragon you let 50 dead guys start stabbing the shit out of it like yeah make your move and then get out of there get up you got to stay off the ground off the ground and then when they retreated and they had the fire pit going right they just stared at all of them and then they waited until dead bodies just started crossing like one little area it's like, why would you just stand there and stare at him? Start firing away. So the fire stops everybody and there's a stare down for, it seemed like a couple of minutes. It seemed like it would have been a great time for the dragons to come in and incinerate everybody. No, they waited know. They waited until they started fighting again. Yeah. And their people were getting treated like the Irish and Braveheart. So um, the hound didn't like anything that was going on and, and said, I can't beat death. Stop fighting for a while, but then rallied back. Good line. Aria was a machine. Huge PR. Yep. Just killing people left and right. People don't see her coming. Low to the ground. Kemba? Like Chris, little like Kemba? Little Kemba. Yeah. Goes to the go, can go to the hoop, can work from the outside. And then uh and then the Night King once again figured out how to get into the castle. Brings brings his Well, he didn't go into the castle. He went looking for well, he brings the ice-shooting dragon in who basically demolishes everything. All his dudes get in. It feels like a cold fire. I don't know if it's ice. We didn't see it's a cold fire. So yeah, what happens when it hits you? You burn in a hell flame that's cold. <laughs> <laughs> like dry ice. Not we didn't really ice. get to see it. Yeah, we but never nobody... really saw what happened when you got burned by the cold fire. And then we thought maybe Daenerys was going to take down the Night King, but there was no way that was going to happen. She well, wait, shoots. can we go back? By, so oh, well, we can go wherever you want. I thought drag, we lost track. There's a big dragon fight. Yeah, there's a dragon fight. I had no idea who was who. It was impossible to tell. It was by the shot way, really just, strangely. I love some we of the shots. We spent most of this time going, who's that? What's going on? It was confusing. It's I've never felt older watching a TV show. Yeah. But that's kind of the thing. Like I checked in with some younger people and I went, I'm really afraid to send this text, but Bill and I couldn't see anything for long stretches. And yeah. they go, yep. But I think that was kind of the director's. Now, I'm more of a writer. Right. But I get what the director was trying to do. Right. I could read. I could see the, the director's script. <laughs> I could see the cues. And I think the, 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 the approach was they wanted the viewer to be as confused in battle as the actual this participants. This is a boxing movie trick. Yeah. When they film the boxing movies and they put the camera right in between the guys, and it's just a lot. But really, it's a way to just cheat. And so that if it's a wide shot, it looks fake. If it's up close and it's frantic, you feel like you're in it. Why hasn't somebody just said to the other guy in a boxing movie being like, look, 
this is Michael B. Jordan, and he's going to punch you in the face for real, and <laughs> over, a bunch over, of times, yeah. and you're going to make <laughs> like five hundred. You're going to make five hundred grand. Yeah, that's the kind of movie I would make. Do you think like? So my wife, when we have, when, with our dogs, like our dogs had different colored collars. So even though our dogs all look differently, but like when we had two golden retrievers, we had uh, Rufus, the male, and Daisy, the female. Daisy had the pink collar and Rufus had the darker collar. <laughs> Makes sense. Do you think Daenerys should have done that with the dragon? So we could have told the bird. <laughs> like one of them had a big color and the other had like a purple one so then when they're flying around i know who's who you know what just to be fair you knew who was who no i i just if the collars are going to be color coded i'd like them not to reveal gender <laughs> okay. I, if they could be gender neutral collars because i don't want to assume anything certainly not with a dragon I think we'd be better off if it was like a mauve and then a green. <laughs> Gender neutral dragon colors. Yeah. I mean, that's it's still. We're naming that one. That's the name of today's podcast. <laughs> Gender neutral. And Kevin Durant. <laughs> uh, so we had the two dragons left. Did yeah. you feel like one dragon was better than the other? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Because one of them might have died. I thought there was going to be like another John dragon, dragon that went down. might have died. Yeah, because it, it, well, wait a minute. Daenerys, one of the dragons went down. Daenerys has got stabbed a billion times. Because, again, she's just lingering around. Yeah, typical. I don't, I don't Typical terrible job by her. Yeah, totally. And honestly, like the big name deaths, Ed, you know? <laughs> Ed no, goes down early. Big ones. Theon went down. Theon, and then the little Jorah. girl. Jorah, yeah. I, Jorah wait, was a big one. Is, he, is he done? I mean, I felt like he's almost yeah, he's died done. a million times. He died. Time. He died. You know, they didn't give us the headliner. I thought we were going to get a headliner death, like a real storyline changing death. Theon got a nice little redemption. He got a little little shout out from Bran. Bran said, "You're a good person." Theon had a bad run the second You're half of the show. You're a bad person, and yeah. we forgive you for all the terrible. You know what I kept thinking did. of the whole time. What? Like this is where I wish Ramsey were still alive. Because <laughs> if I want to fight the Night King, you want the I want worst that twisted, possible? twisted yeah. fuck on my side. And have, are we going to get to the end now? Yeah, or we still have more. No, that's it. Theon died. Jorah died. Uh, I always like Jorah. By the way, couldn't a Daenerys just like? I actually was into you, or was that worse? <laughs> Right before he he dies. I mean, the guy has been the most whipped dude in the history of dragons and castles. And, you know, Daenerys is like, sorry, I'm going to bang this pirate for a few weeks. Right. You know, no offense. It's a good Twitter poll. What's worse? Right. And then he's also going to shit on your manhood to your face after he knows that I, you know, like. I forgot about that. I mean, she's just. She treats him worse than. Selena Meyer treats Gary and Veep. Well, this, I mean, this is the 1300s. You can't judge. They didn't know back then. Right, but she's in his head. I mean, she just absolutely sublets room up there. I just, I, you know, maybe it's better she just lets him die. So, and Branch is hanging out. We're all wondering what kind of superpower, because look, the odds, you're sitting there watching, be like, how the hell are they getting out of this one? Well, Branch. Like, so finally, he does the white eyeball trick. Finally. And it's like, oh, good. Bran's going to say this. And basically, he just sends some ravens flying around. It's like, really? That's 
been waiting for this for 10 years. That was your move. The eyeball move. Yeah. He actually didn't do anything. He yeah, sat like, in a chair. It's like 15 birds are going to fly in a circle. And then the night King stares him down and you're like, all right, what? Cause you obviously you realize not, they're not going to lose the whole thing. Like, cause we still got seven episodes here, right? Is it seven? Three. Is, it, is it? Oh, that's it. So there's only six episodes in this season. I actually thought I I really did think they were going to lose at the end of that. I thought there were going to be what two. Gonna, episodes. What was going to happen the next three episodes? And something Cersei goes down. Cersei yeah, marries Cersei the Night King. Goes down and, and they have weird zombie babies. Yeah. It's like this guy's nastier think, than Joffrey. I don't even think Cersei would do that. So uh, it all ends with Arya killing the Night King. Great move by her. The dive from behind. See the the Night King thinks he stops her, but she rope it them. Yeah, she did. Made it seem like she had the 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 knife high, but then she had the other one low. Got him with the dragon glass. Boom. End. Night King. So long. Okay. I just have a hard time believing she gets through security. That, that his his cabinet yeah. that looks a bit like the Doobie Brothers. That she was just going to be able to get past all those guys and kill the most important guy in mankind in this battle. Like that guy's unfreaking touchable. And she just sneaks by everybody and stabs him. She was moving around pretty quietly in that library or whatever. Do you think he was telling them to foul or no? <laughs> Do you think he looks like Popovich? <laughs> no, I was just I was, dude, trying to draw some Night King Popovich. You know, he had a big lead there at the end. He's basically <laughs> done. He got to he got to where he needed to go. <laughs> and and really lost control of the shot clock. And to be fair to the Night King, someone on his team's got to pay more attention. <laughs> They've got to know game, time, situation. King, I mean, he'd spent a lot of time team bonding dinners, picks out a special bottle of wine for each one. Look, I'm just, just saying, man, I'm just saying after eight years of this, the Night King goes down because he gets in a staring contest with the most boring character in the entire show. And then a a teenage girl stabs him. <laughs> wow. When you put it that way. By the way, better, better all around day. Bob Kraft starting out at the Orchard Spa, ending with the overtime win against the Chiefs. <laughs> Or Arya losing virginity and then killing the Night King. <laughs> what was a better day? Oh, Arya, because that was the AFC title game. Could <laughs> have been the Super Bowl, maybe, maybe different. Yeah, great day for Arya, though. Huge I mean, day. Huge, it, I hope huge. That, I hope 50 years later she goes, like, what were the great days of your life? She's like, ah, oh, this one day. Lost my virginity. If she has a better day than that. Yeah, lost my virginity and killed the Night King and saved the world. It was great. Um, so you didn't love the Arya thing. Who uh, would you have wanted to kill? I just wanted I wanted something. I know how hard it is to write these scripts, man. <laughs> but I was just I think my expectations for the show, because it's so amazing, like I wanted something I wasn't thinking was possible. Yeah. I wanted something so clever that I'd spend the next few days being like, just your world being rocked. Forever. I can't believe they came up with that. I actually thought I, for me, I, I really liked the Arya thing. I, I was thumbs up. Kyle, you're the tiebreaker. I liked it. I wish there was more of what he's talking about. It didn't have to come from Arya for me, but 
there wasn't enough of that. It just seemed like everyone was unprepared. What of the seven times Bran rolled back his eyeballs, which one was your favorite one? The last one, the one where it stopped. When the Ravens went, <laughs> yeah. went about, I'm like, okay, there's some magic here. Like something's going to happen here. Like there's going to be some magic. And then, you know, when the Night King gets torched by the dragon and he just smiles, he's like, like serious. And then Daenerys went to run at him and reminded me of like, TJ McConnell trying to dunk on Giannis. Hmm. And I'm like, no, nah, that's not going to work. And uh, then Did all the people, then all the people come back to life as zombies, as, as the White Walkers. That was great. And you're just going, this is this roster is incredible. I liked when he did the the slow raise of the of the hands. Yeah. Is really creepy and effective. My last question. Do you so, want to answer it? Ask yourself. No, there's ten thousand dead bodies. Actually, maybe more, hundred thousand dead bodies. Dead white walkers and just blood everywhere. Like, what's the cleanup situation there? What do they do? Well, I imagine well, who's ever left from Grey Worm's army gets that shit detail. <laughs> those guys, those guys. Hey, we're all going to run into this castle. Do you mind just hanging out out there with your your spears and shields? But they, you got to burn everything, right? Just piles. You're burning body piles. I would, I would ship it to Cersei. Do you think now that the White Walkers are gone, do you think uh, the Dragon Glass like fifty percent discount at the team store? <laughs> Don't need it anywhere, right? Still selling it, but not as expensive. People not are using high, him, not in high People are using them as paint scrapers. It's like a five <laughs> in one. Uh, I liked the episode. I thought it was good. I didn't know what was going on half the I time. I can't wait to watch it again. Yeah, I need yeah. to watch it like seven times. It actually would have been a good movie theater episode. You know, I'm surprised they've never done that. Imagine the money they would make on that. Somebody, I've heard that. I've seen this bandied around. If I think it's bandied about. Bandied about. See this bandied about. Uh, if they did Saturday, one day only Game of Thrones series finale in a movie theater and just charge like 50 bucks a ticket, what would happen? How much money could they make? The whole thing. If it was just one weekend, we're just premiering this two days early. If social media is any indicator, I would think it would probably be one of the best. What if you did it for a weekend? What if you treat it like opening weekend? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like if you do so not, not just Saturday. So you're saying Thursday, Friday, yeah, Saturday, Friday, Sunday. Say Thursday night through Sunday. I think it would do incredible. Yeah. Um, I got up at seven in the morning today and I sat through two long soccer games in hot San Diego sun and I drove two and a half hours and I'm really proud of myself because I was actually like fairly competent on this podcast. I didn't know. You didn't show it at all. I'm a little sunburned. I'm tired. You are a little you got a little I thought you were t bronzing. Tired. Um, no, this was good though. Uh, I do have, I do have a, a gambling story before we go. Ooh, bet on this whole had this series parlay yesterday with the Spurs. Yep. I mean, not the Spurs, the uh, Nuggets. So the Nuggets were the last piece. So if the Nuggets won, won this series bet that house that I made. Decided to hedge because I didn't trust the Nuggets was Spurs plus six. Spurs won by four. I'm the first person ever who middled a bet. It's the first time it's ever happened in the history of gambling. That scenario where it actually worked out. I was so proud of myself. Yeah, whenever anybody said middle it, I'm always like, or you could just lose two other bets. Right. It never you works know? ever it, in a right. million years. You know when it works? 
when the Spurs just stand there for 25 fucking seconds as the clock runs out with their Well, down then you'll four. never forget it then. Oh, it was the best. I was going nuts. I was so happy. Even as I was outraged as a basketball fan because I've never seen anything dumber in the last 25 seconds. But I was like, well, I, I just won middle. It was great. Um, What do you got to plug? Anything? I'll do a draft recap pod and then... Um... Zach Lowe and I are going to do this really deep playoff dive on... I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Ryan Rosillo, dual threat. Dual threat. Podcast Network, and we'll be back next uh, next Sunday doing the same thing. I'll be... Sunday uh, might be an won't issue be as late. Why? I got a couple buddies coming to town, and it's a Willie Nelson concert. On Sunday night? Yeah. Oh. Well, maybe we'll have to do Monday then. Can we? Potentially. Let me look at it. All right. I know Kyle likes it when we do Mondays. The audience. I love the Sunday, but, you know, dude's got a life too. Willie Nelson. Jesus. Willie Nelson's 98. 98. He's not really 98. 78? 80? No, he's like 84. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. All right. Thanks to... uh, Ryan, thanks to DAZN. Don't forget the big fight this week. Canelo Alvarez, Daniel Jacobs. And uh, thanks to Nick Kyle for working late tonight. Thanks to Tic Tac and Melatonin. And we'll be back later in the week with more on the BS Podcast.